Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your aew rampage and smackdown post show for friday june 3rd 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your friday evenings wherever you may be man what a confusing night it was for everybody watching the second half of AEW Rampage tonight. They put out a tweet. CM Punk put out a tweet. And AEW then followed suit with a tweet of their own that CM Punk was going to address the AEW championship. And man, oh man, did he... Not disappoint, because we were all expecting the worst, but man, oh man, 
They know how to play on the heartstrings of everybody watching the show that is completely invested in what's going on and completely invested in what has transpired in the last week or so in AEW, man. I'm going to start with AEW because this is obviously the more important of these situations tonight. CM Punk came out. There was a tweet earlier in the afternoon. And CM Punk tweeted out that he will address the AEW fans on Rampage tonight. And it has to do with the AEW championship and his career. Now, obviously, this sent everybody into a frenzy because the big rumor going around coming out of Wednesday's Dynamite, and Jesse and I discussed it, there were a multitude of things that it could have been. It all stemmed from Wednesday and CM Punk jumping into the crowd right before the six-man tag with the Ass Boys and Max Caster while he teamed with FTR at Open Dynamite on Wednesday. He jumped into the crowd. It looked like he kind of fucked himself up on the barricade. He crotched the barricade. He didn't really seem all that well in the match. He botched a very fundamental springboard. If you're CM Punk, he pulls the move off every single time he's in there. He slipped off the top rope coming off a springboard, and he completed the match, and he and FTR went on to win and get the win over the ass boys and Max Caster. The other thing that happened on Wednesday was that MJF cut that major fucking nuke of a promo on Wednesday night, and during the commercial break for everybody that was in attendance, they pulled out their phones, so you, you and I didn't see it on TV. CM Punk came out with one boot on, and he supposedly chased down MJF as MJF retreated into the audience. Now, a lot of people from that were claiming, up. Oh, CM Punk came out limping. I didn't really think much of it. I'm like, I hope he didn't fuck himself up on the barricade. Jesse, my partner on Wednesday night, he was sold on the fact that CM Punk fucked himself up on the barricade, jumping into the crowd. He ended up being correct. I kind of believed him in that point, in that moment, but I didn't want to really believe that he was hurt. People said he came out limping on Wednesday, and I kind of played it off. I'm like, ah, it's nothing. He probably bruised himself, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And, and then we get to Friday. Rampage was live tonight. I didn't even realize it was live until uh, last night. I'm like, oh, great, a live Rampage, great. And then CM Punk tweets uh, somewhere around dinner time that he will be addressing the AW fans on Rampage tonight, and as soon as he came out, he had tears in his eyes, he was all red-eyed, looked like he was just crying. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, man, please don't let this be another Finn Balor situation. Please don't let this be a situation when AEW right now is riding on the hottest angle in the history of the company with MJF that will probably lead him to CM Punk. Please, for the love of God, I hope this isn't going to destroy all of those plans for the summer of punk 2022. He comes out, obviously crying. I obviously fear the worst in everything that uh, happens, just in general. So I'm like, oh man, this doesn't look good. He's crying. He's crying. At first he came out, he was walking on his own. And I'm like, hey, it's not that bad. He's walking on his own. He walked to the ring. And then I see a close-up of his face. He's crying. I'm like, here we go. Here we go, man. I knew I knew I feared the worst, and the worst was going to be told to all of us. So he gets in the ring, and it looks like he's crying, and he's got tears in his eyes. He says he's got the 
AEW championship around his waist. When he got the, uh, to the arena, he felt every bone in his body was telling him to go home and be with his wife and his dog, Larry. But he felt everyone deserved an explanation. He said he promised he would give his all in AEW until the wheels eventually fell off. Punk said he had good news and bad news, so he asked the crowd, which one do you want first? I'm more of a bad news type of guy first. He says the last thing he wanted to do was let anyone down. He says he has loved every second he's been in the ring. He says it's been a gift that he never thought he'd be able to experience again. So the bad news is that he's injured and he needs surgery. He says a couple of things are broken, but the biggest part that is broken, the biggest thing that is broken is his heart. He says the good news is that the wheels are still there, but they haven't fallen off completely. He says one of them is broken. Almost like CM Punk is speaking to us in riddles, man. I don't know if he's going to be auditioning for the next Batman film and be auditioning for the fucking Riddler, but he really coded this in a way where he did not want to let you in on all the information on what was going on with him and the World Championship. Everything was very vague in this promo by CM Punk. Don't know necessarily if that's a good thing or a bad thing. If it's bad, I don't know why you just don't come out and tell us, Hey guys, I got a broken foot, but I'm going to still be holding on to the AEW Championship. I'll be back in a couple of months. That's all he needed to say, but he wanted to code this as if he was fucking one of Arkham's greatest villains. Says the bad news is he needs surgery, and one of the things on him is broken, which I'm assuming is his foot. If he had a broken leg, he'd be out there on a crutch. So I'm assuming that it's his foot, and the foot injury probably stemmed from him jumping into the fucking uh, crowd during Dynamite, and then... It's kind of ailed him in the match on Wednesday in that open of Dynamite. Punk addresses the AEW Championship, obviously now that he told everybody that he's injured. He says he doesn't want to hold things up in AEW. Says he told Tony Khan he would relinquish the title, but Khan feels this is just a bump in the road for him. So he wanted to give up the title. He's pretty much telling everybody he wanted to give up the title because there are a plethora of talent backstage in AEW. He mentioned Brian Danielson, and he mentioned John Moxley. He didn't mention anybody else. He didn't mention Adam Cole. He didn't mention Darby Allen. He didn't mention Andrade. He didn't mention uh, Miro. He didn't mention Swerve or any anybody else. He didn't mention anybody else. He mentioned the two biggest names that have come over to AEW that were made WWE guys. He mentioned John Moxley and Brian Danielson, the two biggest figures in the Blackpool Combat Club, which I found to be a little weird. I don't know if you guys found that to be weird, but figured he would have mentioned some youngsters back there that deserve an opportunity. He mentioned two of the most established guys on the roster. Tony Khan does not want him to relinquish the title. Tony Khan says, this is a bump in the road. Punk wanted to give up the title. Tony Khan said, no, I'm not allowing you to do that. Punk says the get back is going to be bigger than the setback. He says he's champion for a reason. He says he will come back bigger, faster, and hungrier than ever before. And he'll prove why he is the best in the world. Now, when the segment was over after he said that, it was very clear that he did not give up the championship. 
That's the way I, I, I interpreted it. He didn't give up the championship. He said pretty much, and I quote, Tony Khan did not want me to give up the AEW championship. He feels like this is just a bump in the road on the journey of CM Punk. That's the way I took it. And then all of a sudden, right before we go to commercial break, Chris Jericho on commentary, before the screen went black and faded out as we went to commercial, he uttered, right before it went black, CM Punk is relinquishing the AEW championship. Now, that wasn't the case. Because that's not what Punk said. And that's not what Tony Khan wanted. But Chris Jericho took it upon himself to claim to everybody watching at home who's obviously invested in everything that's going on surrounding this world championship that CM Punk relinquished the World Heavyweight Championship. That's what caused all of the confusion on Friday night during Rampage. And the fans went crazy on social media. Fans were were frantically going out. What's going on? I'm confused. What the hell was said? I don't get what was going on. Can someone please give us an explanation? It took them up until the main event of the entire show to fill us in on what is going on with the World Championship. Chris Jericho even said it again before they actually had a picture-in-picture commercial break during the Scorpio Sky and Dante Martin TNT title match. He said it during the match that Chris Jericho said he was going to relinquish the title, that CM Punk has relinquished the title, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. I don't get it. I don't get it. I get that Chris Jericho is a wizard, but my goodness, man, you can't be a wizard if you're... uh, Fucking up lines and making everybody all confused. Seriously. Chris Jericho at the end of the night may want to have everybody fucking disappear, man. He may make people disappear. disappear. He's a fucking wizard at the end of the day. I better watch my mouth. I better watch my mouth. It was a innocent fuck up there. He was obviously not clued in on what was going on. I'm assuming Tony Khan is in his headset. I don't know why he said it not once, but twice. He said it twice. So we finally got an explanation as to what's going on. And the explanation is, folks... And this is what it is. I know what I heard. I know what I saw. This is exactly what is going on. CM Punk is not relinquishing the AEW championship. CM Punk is still the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. On Wednesday, it will open the show. There will be a battle royal. Who's in the battle royal? I don't know. I'm assuming it's going to be a bunch of top-tier guys. You're not going to put a bunch of nobodies in there that don't deserve a world championship opportunity. On Wednesday, there will be a battle royal to open AEW Dynamite. The winner of this battle royal will go on to wrestle John Moxley in the main events of AEW Dynamite. Now, I had people asking me, well, why is John Moxley in the main event challenging the winner of the battle royal for the spot at Forbidden Door? John Moxley is undefeated this year. He's the number one ranked wrestler in AEW. They are putting the rankings to work, and they're basing it off the rankings. John Moxley was number two under CM Punk. So right now, that makes John Moxley the number one contender for the AEW championship. I don't mind that at all. I don't know why people would mind that at all anyway. Why would people mind that at all? John Moxley's been hot, and John Moxley's been on fire, so clearly he's going to be in the main event. That's what the standings and that's what the records are for. That's what the win-loss records are for. Okay? Battle Royal. Winner of the Battle Royal will challenge John Moxley in the main event of AEW Dynamite. And this is what is going to be. The winner of this match, I'm assuming, 
will wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi at Forbidden Door for the AEW Championship, which will be an interim world championship. And I know I heard what I heard because there's no reason why the Battle Royal is going on first and not last on Wednesday. If it was going on last, then I would get the sense that the Battle Royal winner is going on to wrestle at Forbidden Door for the World Championship. But the fact that it's going on first, clearly they're doing the thing that I originally had thought they were doing. Battle Royal first. Winner of that Battle Royal will wrestle Jon Moxley on Wednesday in the main event of Dynamite. And the winner of that match will go on to wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, we don't know if Tanahashi is going to be in the main event of Forbidden Door for the AEW Championship. I'm assuming this is going to be Tony Khan's way of getting us Jon Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi that's been teased all these times before. It wasn't in the plans to, for, for it to happen this year, but clearly things are working out a little bit differently now. And Tony Khan probably is forced to do this match, and that is uh, one hell of a fucking plan B. If you ask me, so if that is the case, I don't know why anybody would be fucking upset about what we're going to get with John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi at Forbidden Door, which I think should have been the fucking match from the from the word go. That should have been on the card. That should have been on the pad, uh, written in pencil at least, until the confirmation was made for Forbidden Door as soon as the show was announced. So we're getting the original match that we all thought we were getting for the World Championship, for the interim AEW World Championship at Forbidden Door. Fine problem that I have is here and I don't want to listen you know I've shit on Tony Khan's decisions for a a couple of situations where he crowned an interim champion in Sammy Guevara or Cody Rhodes whoever whoever was the champion when it was an interim champion Um, he crowned an interim TNT champion right then we had the ladder match with Cody Sammy was the interim champion Cody was the original TNT champion and went away for a week a fucking week, because he got COVID. Tony Khan gives us the TK special. Oh, interim champion. We're going to crown an interim champion. Cody's got COVID. COVID protocol. Uh, he'll be back in a week. And they crowned an interim champion at Sammy Guevara. That ultimately led to the ladder match. Now, I know why TK did the ladder match, and I know why he did the interim champion. Obviously, TK is an old-school mind. He wanted to do the ladder match with Sammy and Cody, and he probably took a beautiful page out of the HBK and Scott Hall playbook for the ladder match that they had at WrestleMania 10 and then again at SummerSlam uh, not too long after that. So I don't mind that they did it. It just didn't make sense to do an interim champion in one week, okay? Then he did the same thing with Deanna Perrazzo. He did the same thing with Deanna Perrazzo and vacated the Ring of Honor Women's Championship because she was not able to make Super Card of Honor and he crowned an interim women's champion between Mercedes Martinez and Willow Nightingale at Supercard of Honor, and that clearly did not need to be. All you needed to do was have that match be a number one contender match and then have whoever wins that match wrestle Deanna Perrazzo on a random episode of Dynamite. And that's all you needed to do. So TK has given us two instances this year where we did not need an interim TNT champion and an interim Ring of Honor champion. I'm going to start calling him Tony Interim Khan from now on. I love everything that he's doing. I think AEW right now is getting to that point where it's hot. Once again, like we got it a couple of years back when they were doing uh, a bunch of stuff in year one and year two. I felt like it kind of died off a little bit and that excitement was kind of waning on the fans. And now we're back to it being scorching hot again because of the CM Punk MJF potential angle and the MJF pipe bomb 
that it caught that it caught on Wednesday. Now we got CM Punk. Now we got CM Punk. He's the world champion, and he is not vacating the title. But TK once again is giving us a third instance where he's crowning an interim champion. Now we don't know the severity of CM Punk's injury. A broken foot could be anywhere from four to six weeks, or in worst case uh, scenarios, it could be uh, three to six months. Now, I don't think this is going to be a three- to six-month ordeal because CM Punk came out obviously walking a little bit slower and walking gingerly to the ring. I would assume this falls under the category of surgery. As soon as he gets off of TV tonight, tomorrow he goes into the ER, he gets that foot surgery, and the recovery time is four to six weeks. I don't understand why we need an interim champion for four to six weeks. All you had to do was come out and make a new main event for Forbidden Door. It doesn't necessarily need to be a world championship. Now, the way I see it is if it's CM Punk versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, there's no fucking way that CM Punk is losing that match. So you gave us a dream match, a predictable one, a predictable dream match. That's what you were getting for the main event of Forbidden Door. Fine. It's going to be a great wrestling match. Everybody was excited for it. And the, the winner was obviously already determined because CM Punk is not losing the title to Hiroshi Tanahashi when there are bigger things planned for CM Punk and MJF. All he had to do was crown a new main event or give us a new main event for Forbidden Door. The plethora of fucking main events that you can have on that show is at this point, at this juncture, countless. All you had to do was take CM Punk tonight, have him make the statement, I'm going to be away for four to six weeks, I'll be back, bigger, faster, stronger, blah, 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 not give up the championship, and go away and get surgery. And then while you do that, you have Brian, Brian Danielson and Okada in the main event of Forbidden Door. I don't know why we need CM Punk to come out and uh, tease everybody. And then we get this circle jerk of nonsense on Friday night where nobody knows what the fuck is going on. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Fans are fucking invested as fuck right now and everything that's going on and everybody's frantically trying to find answers. Nobody knows if CM Punk is the champion or not. All you have to do is have Punk go out there, go away, and still remain the champion. And then you make a main event for Forbidden Door, Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada for Forbidden Door. That's all you have to do. Now we got another interim championship about to be crowned, about to be settled on AEW Rampage. I get the fact that AEW doesn't want to have TV without a world champion. Fine. Fine. But there are other ways to go about it. It seemingly is in TK's wheelhouse to go and do this interim championship thing. Now, who's going to be the new world champion? Who wins the battle royal? I don't know. I don't know who's in the battle royal I don't know who should win the battle royal. It all depends. It all depends on what is going on for Forbidden Door. Clearly, Tanahashi's going to be in the main event. I don't know why he wouldn't be after he came out signaling he wants the AEW World Championship. I know what I saw. I know what else everybody saw. So clearly, he wants the AEW Championship. You already announced him to be in the main event, so I'm assuming he's going to be in the main event. Moxley versus Tanahashi is a fine main event. For Forbidden Door. It's not the main event that everybody wants. But I don't know why anybody would be complaining about a plan B as great as that. Moxley's going to be the new AEW world champion. Fine. 
I don't think there's a better candidate for that. It'll be the first two-time AEW world champion. Fine. What do we do here? Who wins the battle royal? Who gets, who gets Moxley in the main event of Dynamite? I, I could think of a couple of people right off the top. I could see Brian Danielson winning the fucking battle royal. And we get Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. That match was supposed to be booked, I believe, for the full gay, uh, full gates, full gear um, championship elimination tournament. I, I do believe that's where they were headed for that. So I could see Brian Danielson and John Moxley in the main event of AEW Dynamite. And they battle it out for who is the rightful number one contender for the AEW championship. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I don't know why you guys would have a problem with that at all. So that's number one in my book. Brian Danielson winning the Battle Royal. It could, be, it could be Wardlow. Wardlow could win the Battle Royal. And Wardlow can continue his hot streak. Because I have a fucking problem with Wardlow right now. And what AEW and Tony Khan did with Wardlow on, on Wednesday night. MJF absolutely overshadowed everything with what he did on Wednesday. Making Wardlow and the match on Sunday night pretty much irrelevant. Wardlow came out, and he's fucking right back to what he was doing with Mark Sterling while MJF is on top of the wrestling fucking world right now. And Wardlow, it almost feels inconsequential with what happened on Sunday night. Wardlow could win the Battle Royal. Wardlow could get John Moxley, and John Moxley can beat Wardlow in the main event of AEW Dynamite while he goes on to wrestle Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. So we got Brian and Wardlow. Those are two prime candidates right there. Eddie Kingston could win it. Eddie Kingston could really take that story of him overcoming everything. And Jericho could fuck him out of, uh, of the match. One of the, uh, the, the Blackpool Combat Club guys is going to win. So Jericho could have a problem with uh, Kingston getting a world championship match. And he could take that away from him. That is only going to add fuel to the fire for the Blood and Guts match that's coming up. So we got Brian Wardlow and Eddie Kingston as three prime candidates. What about Adam Cole? Adam Cole could win the Battle Royal. Adam Cole versus John Moxley. Take my fucking money. You got Miro. Miro could win the Battle Royal. Miro could wrestle John Moxley in the main event of AEW Dynamite. I don't know why anybody would be upset with that. Miro just came back. I don't want to see him lose immediately. But he is a guy that you put in there in the beginning of Dynamite in that Battle Royal that's going to dominate the field. And then you got guys like Andrade. Andrade could get in there, depending on if he's back from his honeymoon with the Android. Uh, we could see Andrade get the Battle Royal win and him wrestle John Moxley to him go on and wrestle Tanahashi at Forbidden Door. There are plenty of options for Tony Khan. We could see anybody win that Battle Royal. Those are the names that jump off the page immediately. Multiple outlets report that winner of Battle Royal versus Mox at Forbidden Door. No, it is not the fucking case. The winner of the Battle Royal will wrestle John Moxley in the main event of Dynamite. It's not rocket science, folks. It's not rocket science. There's a reason why the Battle Royal was stated will start Dynamite. If that's the case, why isn't the Battle Royal to crown a new number one contender for the world title ending the show? They said the Battle Royal will start the show and Moxley will wrestle in the main event of Dynamite for that match. The winner of that match will go on to Forbidden Door and wrestle for the world championship. Hangman Page could win the Battle Royal. We could get Hangman versus Moxley and Hangman getting back to the World Championship. Hangman could beat Moxley. Hangman could beat Moxley and Jericho could fuck Moxley out of the match and we get Hangman versus Tanahashi and we just get Hangman getting the interim championship back and then him losing to Punk again. I don't know why you would want Hangman to lose to Punk twice, but it's also there as well. 
Anybody. Anybody could win this thing. Anybody could win this thing. That is what's going on with the AEW World Championship. Check Twitter, JD. Let me check. Let me check. Everybody wants me to check Twitter. Let me check Twitter. I don't know why everybody's making a big deal about this. Let me see. AEW. What do they say? Do we have any? I'm looking at AEW's Twitter account. I see nothing. I see nothing here. John Moxley. All I see is standings. Rankings. John Moxley's number one. CM Punk is still the world champion. They wouldn't tweet it out if uh, CM Punk was not the world champion. Wardlow, Hangman, Cole, Jay Lethal. Those are the top five right now. I don't know why I'm checking Twitter. What am I looking for? What am I looking for here? I don't understand it. What am I, guys, what am I looking for? I told you exactly what's going to happen. Here's what we know, says Matt Ment Podcast. CM Punk is injured. He will need surgery. He wanted to give up the title, but TK said no. On Dynamite, a battle royal will determine a contender for Moxley in the main event of Dynamite. The winner goes to Forbidden Door to compete for the interim championship. Exactly what I stated. Exactly what I stated. I don't know why you guys are making it more than it really is. It is very, very simple. It is very simple. Moxley in the main event of Dynamite. The winner of the battle royal gets John Moxley. And that is happening in the main event of Dynamite. The winner of that match in the main event of Dynamite will go on to Forbidden Door to challenge for the AEW title. I don't want to hear anything else about it. Uh, Daryl, let me check this in the chat. Hold on one second. Battle Royal will face the winner. Battle Royal will face the uh, John Moxley for a shot at the Interim World Championship. An interim world champion will be crowned at Forbidden Door due to an entry to CM Punk. Exactly. I don't know why. That's exactly what it is. Again, the Battle Royal winner will challenge Sean Moxley in the main event of Dynamite. The winner of that match goes on to Forbidden Door to wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi for the world championship. Simple. I don't want to talk about it anymore. That is it. That is it. Anyway. Again, I feel the same way as a lot of my friends do. I got a couple of texts, interim title. Why, 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 why? I think it's lame. I don't think they need to go this route. A foot injury is only four to six weeks. It's the TK special, man. I get he he doesn't want a world champion to be injured and be away from television with the world championship. But if it's four to six weeks, I don't know why we need to go through the loops and, and the rings of fire to get all... What we got tonight. I don't understand it. There is no Tanahashi. Why isn't there any Tanahashi? I don't know why people are not. Is Tana confirmed to be in the title? I, I mean, I don't understand why he wouldn't be. I don't understand why, why Tanahashi. Why would Tanahashi not be in the main event after what we saw on Wednesday with him motioning for the world championship? Why would Tanahashi not be in the main event? Everybody's already writing off what I said. If Tanahashi's not in the main event, I don't know why the fuck Moxley's in the main event then. If Moxley is in the main event of Dynamite to wrestle the winner of the Battle Royal, why is Tanahashi not going to be in the main event for Forbidden Door when that's the match that should already be booked for Forbidden Door? Tanahashi, I'm assuming, will be in the main event because of what we saw on Wednesday. It is what it is. That's what we got. Again, I don't really understand the, the, the interim championship thing, but how we go from here, it's all going to circle back to MJF anyway. It's all going to circle back to MJF anyway. And MJF, I reported this on, on Off the Script Extra earlier in the afternoon. If you guys want to go check that out, it will be 
uh, on the homepage. Go and check that out. John Moxley uh, will be the world champion. Don't know what's going to happen with that, but MJF is not going to factor into the world championship right now anyway, at least for the foreseeable future, because he got pulled from the AW roster page. He got pulled from AW shop. AW's official Twitter account unfollowed MJF. So he's not going to be factored into anything, and he may be off TV for... Guys, it's not at the fucking Forbidden Door, man. Stop telling me it is at Forbidden Door. The title match is at Forbidden Door. The winner of the Battle Royal will get Moxley at Dynamite to go to Forbidden Door. It's not happening at Forbidden Door. Okay? Jesus fucking Christ. What is so difficult to understand? What is so difficult? Did I speak a different fucking language? My God, man. Anybody that's telling me it's happening at Forbidden Door, get them the fuck out. Clearly, you just got here. Clearly, you just got here. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's not that difficult. MJF is not factoring into the world championship because he'll be suspended or he'll be out. They're not going to put him on TV. AEW just posted JD is right. Read slowly, guys. Okay. I don't know why people are telling me I'm fucking wrong in the chat. I'm not wrong. I'm hardly wrong. Nine out of ten times, I'm right. I know what I saw. Jesus fucking Christ. MJF is not going to factor into the world championship, okay? Not yet anyway. When Punk is back, then MJF will factor into the world championship. So that's the big news that happened on AEW tonight on AEW Rampage. They're misreading, bro. Of course they're fucking misreading. Nobody fucking pays attention to me. Like I'm speaking to the fucking wall, man. It's like I'm a teacher in fucking school. Are you paying attention? No, you're not. You're on your fucking phone. And you're looking at the pretty blonde in the front row. Get your mind back on track. Fucking geeks. Anyway. I'm going to talk about the rest of this fucking shit show. Mostly SmackDown. SmackDown was awful tonight, man. My goodness. My goodness. We got SmackDown tonight. We got Ronda Rousey's opponent for, I believe, Hell in a Cell. I don't even know if that's fucking happening. Nobody knows what the fuck is going on tonight. Six-pack challenge. Ronda Rousey's opponent for a future title consideration was... Crown tonight. We also got the Usos and Matt Riddle continuing their feud. And I got news on Roman Reigns. I got news on Lacey Evans. I got news on Ricochet and Gunther for the IC title. We got a lot to talk about. Plus, we had probably, potentially, maybe the best opening match in AEW Rampage history. Tonight, the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks, man. Unbelievable match. And that Scorpio Sky defended that TNT title against Dante Martin and won hell of a debut from Athena tonight. Oh, my goodness, man. Did Athena look fucking great tonight? Oh, my goodness, man. You guys are crazy. You guys are crazy, man. I appreciate you joining me on this Friday night. We're number one in the community, folks. I'm looking at uh, Fightful. I'm looking at the Salamonster. I'm looking at... <laughs> uh, Denise, man. I feel so sorry for Denise, man. 170 people, man. We got 25 large in the venue, man. Thank you for making me number one 
right here on OTS. Follow me on social media, man, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I see 600 likes on the channel. I'm breaking up, JD. I'm not breaking up. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm breaking up. Fix your fucking speakers, asshole. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up, man. I need 1,000 likes minimum on tonight's OTS. Also, go check out today's video, man. Go check out today's OTS Extra. We talked about music is acting up again. Oh, my goodness, man. I forgot I'm in Jersey. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't play music, guys. I don't know what it is. I, I, can't, I can't play music tonight. I can't play music. Apparently, something's happening with OTS, uh, OBS on OTS, so I, I won't play the music. We'll get right into it, man. You, you guys don't need to hear from me. You, you guys know, don't need to hear from me. You guys know the deal. Hit the thumbs up. Uh, make sure you guys get those super chats in, get those uh, memberships in. Uh, you guys know the deal. It is what it is, guys. I appreciate all uh, for stopping by right here on OTS. Let's get into SmackDown. Being that I can't play fucking music. I played music in the beginning, right? Played music in the beginning. Nothing happened. When I'm live in the venue, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Anyway, uh, SmackDown. Let's get into it. We got... Uh, what the fuck opened the show? What opened the show tonight? We got the New Day. We got the New Day. Xavier Woods is back with his King outfit and his trombone. He's out there with Kofi Kingston. They got a uh, big uh, ovation from the local crowd here tonight. They were in uh, Columbus, Ohio, at the Ohio State University uh, campus. So Kofi Kingston was out there with uh, Xavier Woods and his trombone and his, his royal outfit. Kingston acted surprised and unimpressed when uh, Xavier claimed that they are now Sheamus's guys, are calling themselves the Brawling Brutes. Kofi made fun of them. That's what they're calling themselves now, the Brawling Brutes? Give me a break. So Xavier introduced Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre came out. He thanked them for getting them back on track last week in a six-man tag team match. That should have ended it all. That's all you needed to do, man. Just end it last week, okay? McIntyre came out with his sword. He said, the fans, we are loud tonight, I see. Special shout-out to someone watching at home. And the New Day did the who, who. He said, somebody named Biggie says he knows what it's like to be sitting at home all alone thinking people have forgotten about him. To the Big E chant that was about to break out will show that nobody has forgotten about Big E. He says, until Big E comes back, they can count on Big D. Yes, this was a line that somebody wrote on a piece of paper for Drew McIntyre to go out there and say, nobody will forget about Big E. So until then, until he comes back, you guys can count on Big D. He was about to explain why he's called Big D, but Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston interrupted him and said this was a family-oriented show. We walked the line, but you're going to take this way too far. Drew wore a Neil to the Steel t-shirt. It's his new t-shirt because he carries around his sword, Angela. 
They asked him to explain what that meant on his shirt. He talked about how you need to get on your knees, and then they cut him off again. So WWE trying to be very funny here with the sexual innuendos, and they dropped the ball like they usually do, and they fell flat on their face. So they have a gift. They have a gift. Is it, is it a Fox cancellation? They have a gift for Drew McIntyre. I wish it was a Fox cancellation. Uh, we got Xavier and Kofi handing him a colorful gift box because apparently it was his birthday. Happy birthday, Drew. And Drew held up a kilt that said Big D on it. So Seamus, Rich Holland, and uh, Butch, let me at him. Let me at him, Scoob. You know, Butch, Scrappy-Doo, he done, comes out. Sheamus took a dig at Ohio State sports. Typical WWE heel thing to do. What city are we in, Vince? <laughs> Let me make fun of the most popular sports team in the state. <laughs> you know, that's the level of creativity in WWE creator. Sheamus talked about what they'll do to them next time they fight. Next time? Like the 16 fucking times we've seen already. Isn't enough, right? Butch then, all of a sudden, runs down to the ring. And he gets in there with the New Day and Drew McIntyre. They take care of him and they dispatch of him quickly. They throw him over the top rope. And we go to commercial break. We come back from commercial break. And I swear to God, folks. I I swear on my grandfather's fucking tomb... At St. Raymond's fucking cemetery in the Bronx. I swear on his fucking tomb that we got another six-man tag team match on SmackDown between the Brawling Brutes, the New Day, and Drew McIntyre. Legitimately, we got this match last week in the main event, and WWE is so riddled with roster problems that they don't know what else to do they don't know what else to do there's no i in team but there is one in indeed and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours when you're hiring you need indeed instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all one of the things i love about indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because indeed does the hard work for you They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I saw this tweet from WrestleVotes today, and I'm going to throw it up on the screen right now. Man, I look good. Look at me, man. Yeah. Here's the tweet. As of last check... Around 4 p.m. today. No Usos tag team title or Ricochet IC title will be added to the Hell in a Cell card. Good news, though, however. Yet another Riddick Moss versus Happy Corbin match 
is scheduled to make the show. This was a retweet of a previous tweet that WrestleVotes put out there on Friday afternoon. The original tweet said, and I quote, The lack of SmackDown matches currently advertised for this weekend's Hell in a Cell event speaks volumes. It's an indictment on the roster, a source says. While the brand split is an ending for all intents and purposes, it's shot. So we got the roster split still being a thing in WWE. And apparently, WWE is so fucking void of common logic and common sense that they're giving us another brawling brutes, a new day, Drew McIntyre match. Why? Because the rosters are so fucking lame and so at a point right now where it may be the worst ever that they don't know what to fucking do. They don't know what to do. The brand split needs to come to an end. That's all I need to, to say to you. I mean, there are, there are groups over on Monday Night Raw. There are individuals on Monday Night Raw that I would love to see against the Brawling Brutes. I think that would be great. Maybe, maybe we get the Street Profits and uh, someone over there teaming, uh, teaming up with the Street Profits against the Brawling Brutes, or we get the, the Judgment Day versus the New Day, or, or the Judgment Day versus the Brawling Brutes. I, I mean, I don't understand why we're operating under the rules of a brand split, but WWE wants to have Raw superstars on SmackDown and SmackDown superstars on Raw when they see fit. Meanwhile, shit like this makes the fucking cut. Shit like this makes the script every fucking week. And it's almost as if they don't fucking care. And then they go into these fucking casual fucking casual fan audiences in Columbus, Ohio. And they're cheering on the same fucking match that they've gotten since fucking January. I don't get you. What is so exciting about this match when we basically seen the same fucking thing last week in the main event? And the previous 30 fucking weeks before that. I don't understand you. But you guys want to operate under a brand split. This is what happens when you put the fucking titles, the majority of the most important titles, on one fucking group of people. You backed yourselves into a fucking corner. Look at what you did firing everybody during the pandemic. You backed yourself into a fucking corner. Now you don't have anybody to rely on. You fired everybody. TK scooped them all up. This is why you hear reports of WWE would love to have Cesaro back. Cesaro's a free agent. Cesaro may be making big money by sitting out because WWE knows they have a fucking roster problem. So they may bring Cesaro back to add that veteran presence to Friday night. This is why I read that WWE has an open door initiative to bring back Johnny Gargano. They may bring him back and offer him the fucking world. They may offer him the vault to come back because there is nobody right now on free agency that WWE really wants but really needs right now out of sheer necessity because they fucked themselves up. They put pretty much backed themselves into a corner. This is what happens. I knew this was going to happen. Nobody believed me. Nobody wanted to hear me. Nobody wanted to understand the point of view I was trying to make. But here I am, right again as always. Right again as always. I told you this was going to happen. And now look at what is happening. 
There is no need for a brand split. I've been saying this shit since, since 2016. No reason for a brand split. No reason for two tag team titles. No reason for two women's titles. No reason for women's tag team titles. I don't get it. WWE won't end the brand split because they're fucking lazy. WWE won't end the brand split because if they do, they are admitting failure. That's the main reason why they won't end the brand split. If WWE ends the brand split, everybody, including myself, which I know I'm right anyway, but that would only be confirmation on my end that I'm right, officially, and WWE would basically be admitting it without saying it. If WWE ended the brand split, then they admit their failure. So they're going to operate under brand split rules to make sure that you understand that, yeah, the brand split's still in effect, but we're WWE. We can do whatever we want. Meanwhile, none of it makes sense. And SmackDown has no fucking roster. That's why we got Humberto versus Jinder Mahal tonight with Shanky dancing like a fucking clown out there. This is why you get SmackDown being 95% trash. And when Roman Reigns is on TV, it's the only worthwhile thing watching on Friday night. And that's why we got... Big D, Big D, and the New Day versus the Brawling Brutes. Let me at him, Vince! Scoob! Give me a fucking break. Shit is so trash. Who won? Who won? The New Day won last week, and the New Day win, uh, not this one, the Brawling Brutes win this one. After the break, Kofi and Shane, we got a commercial, but I don't know why I'm going over this. Do you fucking care? Do you honestly give a shit about this fucking match, to be, con- to be honest with you? I-, I know you don't. So anyway, we've got a commercial break. And after the break, Kofi Kingston and Sheamus were down in the middle of the ring. Uh, both guys tagged out. And Drew McIntyre comes on in. He delivered a neckbreaker and then kipped up to Ridge Holland. And we got uh, all these guys brawling at ringside. Butch charged at Xavier. Uh, within the ring, uh, Xavier ducked and rolled Butch up for a two-count. Sheamus leapt onto the ring apron. Butch uh, is fucking out there with Xavier. Xavier turned uh, and took a swing at Sheamus. Butch then took advantage of the distracted Xavier and hit a bitter end on Xavier Woods for the one, two, three. And the Brawling Brutes get their victory back over Big D. And the New Day. I mean, I don't understand it. I don't understand why this match continues to take place every single fucking week. They're not fighting for anything. We're losing brain cells every fucking week watching the same shit happen over and over and over and over again. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. It's almost as if Bruce is legitimately going into the trash of last week's show and pulling out the previous week's script. Uh, Vince, what do you want on the show? Uh, I don't know, Bruce. I'll leave it up to you. I trust you with everything, Bruce. All right, Vince. And then he goes into the trash and pulls out last week's show and pretty much just takes that and uses that as a fucking blueprint for the following week's show. And Vince doesn't fucking know because he's suffering from Alzheimer's. He's got fucking dementia. Vince doesn't know. Ah, Bruce. Why are we doing the new day and Drew McIntyre again? I don't remember seeing this. Did we do this last week? Oh, no, Vince. We didn't do it last week. We didn't do it last week, Vince. This is the first time match. I think the fans in Columbus, Ohio will be very excited about this, Vince. <laughs> you fucking break. Shit sucks. Kayla Braxton. 
interviewed Matt Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura backstage. Riddle said they are still in the honeymoon phase as a tag team. Said Nakamura is no Randy, but he's got some sweet moves. Nakamura then said to Riddle, well, Riddle is no Boogs, but he's more peaceful, quieter, and smooth. Braxton then threw a clip of Roman Reigns costing Riddle and Randy Orton the Raw Tag Team titles and a post-match beatdown that took Randy Orton off of television. Riddle said the Usos and Reigns might have ended Randy's career. He said this match isn't about the tag team titles. It's about vengeance for Randy. So, I get what they're doing here. I I really, really, really understand what they're doing here. But my God, man, how fucking lazy can WWE creative be? How lazy could they be? It's amazing. WWE unified the tag team championship of the entire company. They took the Raw and SmackDown tag team championships and unified them as one, put them on the new, uh, put them on the Usos, uh, and then, uh, you know, gave the bloodline more gold than really needed. And it was all between the Usos and RK-Bro. Only for WWE to unify the tag team titles and basically do the same match after the unification without Randy Orton. So it's Matt Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura. They're basically doing the same match and the same shit. But everybody just seems to fucking shrug the other shoulder, shrug their shoulders and turn the other way. They don't even bat an eyelash. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Matt Riddle's great. Shinsuke Nakamura's great. He deserves it. Nakamura deserves it. Meanwhile, I'm the only one saying this is the same fucking shit that we got in the unification match with Randy Orton not being there. That's the level of your creativity for the tag team championships? You put the tag team titles on the Usos, both sets of tag team titles, to give us the same shit that you've been giving us for three months. I don't see how anybody could really accept that and not question that. Now, I get why they're together. I don't really like it. I think it sucks. But that's the level of SmackDown creativity. It is awful. We go backstage, Adam Pierce. By the way, block me on social media only to then unblock me because uh, Otis in the chat, he said something. Otis, what's going on, bro? Thank you for modding today, bro. Make sure you uh, bounce people out. Otis, the official bouncer of the venue. Apparently, somebody dragged my name into something that had nothing to do with anything creative in WWE. Adam Pierce blocked everybody in the thread. I complained. Why are you guys tagging me in unnecessary fucking shit? I don't have any fucking problem with Adam Pierce. He thankfully unblocked me. And we can go about our business now. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Pierce. I enjoy Adam Pierce on television. Adam Pierce was backstage. He was on the phone talking to somebody. And he was talking about the women's six-way, six-pack challenge tonight. Then Max Dupree shows up. He walked in and he got close to Adam Pierce face-to-face. He talked about finding someone for the blue brand who can represent WWE on all runways around the world. He told Pierce he doesn't make the cut. Adam Pierce is not good enough for the maximum male models. Dupree said he found someone who will walk away from Instagram to the bright lights of WWE. Who might that be? Asked Adam Pierce. Max Dupree. 
then said we'll have to wait like the rest of the world as I unveil this name next week on SmackDown. McAfee then yelled, I can't wait. I can't wait. Who's going to join the maximum male models? I don't know. Do you genuinely give a shit? I know I don't. Who's going to join the maximum male models with L.A. Knight? Who? I don't know. Now, we know that L.A. Knight is now Max Dupree. While he was L.A. Knight, they gave this a test run in a dark match. By the way, there were two names that worked dark matches tonight for SmackDown. Sangha and Wesley of NXT 2.0 worked dark matches on Friday Night SmackDown before it went live on Fox 5. Fox 5 here in New York City. But I fear for everybody that works dark matches on Friday Night SmackDown because maybe, maybe, maybe it was only two of the fucking eight or nine that work dark matches. Tommaso Ciampa isn't really doing anything on Monday Night Raw. He'll be gone before you know it. And then we got LA Knight who worked dark matches. He's on TV now as Max Dupree. And those were the only two names that made the cut coming out of the dark matches on Friday Night SmackDown up from NXT 2.0. Now, Sangha is basically the Indian version of uh, Ron Strowman. And Wes Lee is way too small and way too indie for WWE to do anything with him on the main roster. This is just their way. Don't know why they're giving Wes Lee a look on the main roster. The fuck is Wes Lee going to do on the main roster? I have no fucking idea. This is WWE's way. This is their way out of saying, well, we gave Wesley a shot. We didn't like him. Let's get rid of him. And they'll end up cutting him because, to be honest with you, what the fuck is Wesley without Nash Carter? What is MSK separate? That's what they're doing. And then Sangha. I mean, I don't know what the fuck you do with Sangha. I don't think we need another, <laughs> you know, I don't think we need another one of them on the main roster even though he looks like and dresses like Braun Strowman, but he's the Indian version of such, I don't think we need any more big men on the main roster. I think Omos has made us nauseous enough to not want to see any big men on the main roster. So that was the news coming out of that. Wesley and Sangha are having dark matches now on SmackDown. For what, I don't fucking know, but if I was them, I'd fear for my employment uh, about three weeks from now. Who's going to join Max Dupree, man? I have no fucking idea. L.A. Knight, before he got turned into Max Dupree, he had Dio Madden or Mace show up as one of the possible maximum male models, and then there was a rumor that Mansoor was going to join the maximum male models. I mean, do you see either one of those guys becoming a maximum male model and getting a push for L.A. Knight? If it ends up being Mace and Mansoor in the maximum male models... That's pretty much WWE sabotaging LA Knight and sabotaging him in a way where they know it's going to fail and then they'll use that as an excuse to get rid of everybody and dump the fucking gimmick and dump the storyline. I don't know who it's going to be. It better be fucking somebody. It better be somebody who is worth LA Knight's time. There really isn't many right now. Unless WWE wants to call up somebody from NXT. I don't know who the fuck that could be. I don't really see anybody on the men's side that would really join maximum male models. Maybe pretty deadly for the NXT Tag Team Champions for now, who probably will end up losing those titles to the Creed Brothers on Saturday during ta- uh, TakeOver. Fucking Christ. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wherever you are, Moro, I'm sorry. It's not TakeOver. 
NXT in your house. God, do I miss Moro. Holy shit. Maybe pretty deadly. It won't be them, but they obviously fit the gimmick. You know, you know what I honestly think it is? I, it can't be anybody on the main roster. It can't be anybody on the main roster. It can't be anybody in NXT outside of pretty deadly. I don't know who plays that gimmick. They said, they said here with LA Knight, Max Dupree, he's taking them from Instagram and he's going to debut them in front of the world. I, I swear to God, from my mouth to God's ears, I hope to God they bring back Tyler Breeze and I hope to God they give him Prince Pretty and I hope that Tyler Breeze as Prince Pretty is back on WWE television. They give him a run to do whatever the fuck he's got to do and they give him a run in the maximum male models because his gimmick fit and they let him go because Tyler Breeze is an incredible professional wrestler. That's the only man in my eyes right now that has a gimmick that fits Max Dupree and the maximum male models 100%. Or maybe it's Cesaro. Maybe it's Cesaro. Maybe this is WWE's way to get Cesaro back in the WWE. He was on Instagram lately. He was on social media wearing his new shirt and his new logo, talking about his coffee coming out that's sold out that I want that I can't get it, right? Because I'm a big coffee guy. Maybe it's Cesaro. We all know that when Cesaro dresses up like James Bond, Cesaro is a good-looking motherfucker, man. Maybe it's Cesaro. Maybe it's Cesaro. Maybe it's, uh, like you said, Tyler Breeze, Dolph Ziggler. I could see Dolph Ziggler as well in the maximum male models. I could definitely see that, man. Dolph Ziggler's a good-looking guy as well. Some of you guys are saying Fandango. I could see Johnny Curtis come back. He was a very underrated act. I could see that as well. There's a lot of guys that WWE seemingly has gotten rid of that would fit into this new group with Max Dupree. So we'll see what happens. We'll see who it is next week. LA Knight, Max Dupree has teased that he's going to unveil this person next week. And maybe, maybe something comes of it that we all can really sit here and say, well, that's a good idea. I like it. Because right now I don't have any faith in WWE at all. Los Lotharios. They make their re-entrance. They got the kiss cam. One of the most cringiest things on WWE television. I think Angel Garza is great. I do. I think Humberto is great. I think they're both solid professional wrestlers. I think they're stuck with a shit gimmick that WWE clearly isn't invested in. They got this kiss cam. Humberto seen this overweight slob in the front row, and he kissed her hand and gave her a nice consolation prize because there's no fucking way Humberto was going to Kiss that fucking whale sitting front row. Then we got uh, them going over to this blonde who clearly had no interest in either of them kissing her. She went from being very disgusted to almost selling this in the most unnatural, fake way humanly possible. So that's the kiss cam for this week. The kiss cam of losers. So we got Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal versus... Humberto Carrillo, and this match went four minutes. Mahal wins. He beats Humberto, and Shanky apparently aided in Jinder winning this match because of his obviously terrible dance moves. Shanky tried to get Jinder to dance after the match was over. Jinder shot him a very unenthusiastic look and walked away. 
So how we got him to win the match for Jinder? Well, Shanky danced at ringside whenever Jinder got any offense in. Jinder yelled at him. Humberto rolled up Jinder for two. Humberto then yelled at Shanky to get down. He was on the apron, I guess. Jinder rolled up Humberto for the win. They started dancing, and Jinder wanted no part of it. How this makes television? How this makes the final cut? I don't know. I don't really understand. Jinder Mahal is still winning matches in 2022, Hologram. I have no fucking idea why we are living in this fucking bizarre universe, man. I really don't get it. And Jinder Mahal with Shanky, man. Never liked it. Never really made sense of it. It was going nowhere, right? They had Veer there. They had Shanky, Veer. Uh, got moved to Monday Night Raw on the brand split or the uh, the draft. Shanky remained with Jinder Mahal. They didn't do anything with these guys. Now they made him into a dancing clown. Now they made him into a dancing clown. He ended up dancing with Samantha Irving as well, the SmackDown ring announcer. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how this shit makes it to television, and then we are told by the fucking incels on social media, why don't you stop watching, and why don't you stop being negative, man? They're not catering to you. <laughs> Be a fucking break, man. Bad television is bad television. This shit is embarrassing. I would not watch this in front of my own family. And they know and support wholeheartedly what I do. Holy shit. The fuck are we writing television for? Six-year-olds? MJF's cutting fucking nukes on Wednesday, and we got Jinder Mahal and Shanky dancing on Friday night with a fucking ring announcer. Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Smiley Raquel comes out. That time of the day, folks. Friday night with Raquel Gonzalez. <laughs> Smiling. Smiling all the way to the ring, man. Shotzi, Aaliyah, Natalia, Shayna Baszler, and Zia Lee, right? This is Zia Lee's third match since October, since getting drafted to SmackDown. It's great, man. Zia Lee, man, what a, what a fucking huge asset to the women's division on Friday night, right? Oh, my goodness. We got a six-pack challenge here, WWE. Had the balls to announce a six-pack challenge. The winner will determine the number one contender for uh, (laughs) Ronda Rousey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Every time time I mention Ronda, I'm sorry, man. I I go into a coma. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Jesse, get me a glass of water, please, man. I need to splash my face, man. I can't talk about uh, Ronda Rousey. Oh, my goodness, man. I can't, I can't. I, every time I mention her. Every time I mention her, man, I fall asleep, man. I can't mention Rhonda anymore. I can't mention Rhonda in full name. Otherwise, I, I may fall asleep. I may fall asleep on live stream, man. I can't do that. I can't do that to you guys. You guys uh, need the proper SmackDown coverage. Because I know uh, 99.99999% of you have not watched the show tonight. So I got to keep you up to date. I can't mention Rhonda Drozzi. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, <clears throat> sorry, man. Trying to keep myself awake over here. Holy shit! You guys think Monday Night Raw is bad? Imagine Ronda coming out on Monday Night Raw, man. We have a double whammy right there. Anyway, um, WWE had the balls to book this six pack challenge, 
Uh, they, they needed to get their six-pack challenge in somehow here, right? Yes, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi, they, they walked out of the company, right? WWE still launched it that Sasha Banks and Naomi are unprofessional that they walked out of the fucking company. They went over the beginning of the show, and they mentioned the six-pack challenge. Michael Cole was running down the card for tonight's glorious episode of SmackDown. I can't miss episode of SmackDown, did Michael Cole run down. And we got Pat McAfee talking about the six-pack challenge. He says, and yeah, this one is actually happening tonight. Like, I get it. Like, I, I get it. R- Ronda Rousey, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I stopped myself. Ronda Rousey needs a number one contender for the Women's Championship, right? The SmackDown Women's Championship. WWE has a six-pack challenge, and they want you to know that Sasha and Naomi were supposed to be a part of a six-pack challenge. So they do whatever they need to do to make sure that you know that they walked away. And they had Pat McAfee say, yeah, and this match is actually happening tonight. I get it. I I get it, man. You can't go one week. You haven't gone one week without mentioning Sasha Banks and Naomi, man. They're enjoying their life, man. They're living their life. Meanwhile, WWE is like a jaded lover, man. Like a jaded ex. They're fucking salty. They're like a fucking ex-lover, man. Salty that Sasha Banks and Naomi have found other interests in life. And they don't give a shit. They don't give a fuck about what you think or what you feel, and they don't give a shit about your pettiness. It's great. It's a great thing to see, man. It's a great thing to see. Now, let me be straight here. Let me be straight. Raquel Rodriguez, right? Raquel Rodriguez. <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez smiling all over the place, man. Yeah, my dog died. My dog got run over my car last week. Man. I can't help but smile. <laughs> yeah, Raquel Rodriguez. Gonzalez. Raquel Rodriguez, she lost to Ronda. She lost to Ronda in a non-title match, right? What makes her a contender for the Women's Championship? She lost to the champion. She needs to get to the back of the line, right? We got Shotzi. We got Shotzi Blackheart in this match, man. I'd love for somebody to tell me what Shotzi's done, man. Holy shit. The amount of green hair dye she's probably went through in the last six months. Seriously, man. That's all she's done. That's all she's done. She's sitting in catering every fucking week, eating the blueberry muffins that Dana Brooke nicely preps in the bakery and puts on the table nicely fucking uh, arranged and uh, presentation is nice. That's all she does. That's all she does. Sitting in catering along with Aaliyah. Right, they lock themselves in the fucking locker room away from everybody while they steal and confiscate all the chocolate chip cookies that comes out of Dana's bakery, man. Then we got Natalia. Then we got Natalia, man. Natalia is a fantastic professional wrestler. But Jesus fucking Christ, man. I rather watch a one-hour straight block of great Kali matches from start to finish than watch Natalia wrestle on Friday Night SmackDown. Fucking boring. With a capital B O R I N G G G Z Z Z Z Z is Natalia. And then we got Zia Lee. Zia Lee. What has she done on Friday Night SmackDown, man? She goes from wanting to be the protector to saying, fuck everybody. I'm only looking out for myself. Then they teased with something that they did on social media the return of Zion, fucking whatever the fuck her name is, uh, uh, Tion Shah. I mean, give me a fucking break with this bullshit, man. Zia Lee, man, you're better off just fucking going and playing your Chung Lee cosplay 
somewhere else. They don't give a shit about you at all. The only one in this match I give a remote shit about is Shayna Baszler. The only one I give a shit about here, man. And the one woman I would love to see win this match because that's the only thing that makes sense for Ronda Rousey. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. Oh, I, I catch myself falling asleep, man. I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm going to start chanting Ronda Rousey after the stream is over, man, when I lay in bed with the air conditioning, Ron. I'm just going to count Ronda Rousey. I'll be asleep in fucking three seconds. Holy shit. In all seriousness, why are any of these women here? I want you guys to understand. Over JD, the brand split. The brand split needs to stay the way it is, man. Oh, you know, it's going to make the shows worse. <laughs> it's going to make the, the shows worse, says the fucking overly fucking overweight fucking slob on social media who types away, <laughs> you know. They, they, they type their fucking discrepancies with me. This is your entire women's division. This is your entire women's division on Friday night in this match. Can you name one woman here that matches up great with Ronda Rousey? I know I can. There's only one. Shayna Baszler. Natalia, Aaliyah, Shotzi, Raquel. Give me a Brazaya Lee. <laughs> Give me a break, man. This match is ridiculous just based on the fucking fundamentals of it it's ridiculous so who won the match natalia wins in six minutes natalia obviously we had natalia win here because wwe's going to save fruit and then we got uh the match start the match went six minutes some six-pack challenge man yeah, we'll end it in six minutes yeah it's a great job there bruce uh, a few minutes in they went into uh, a bunch of moves Natalia opportunistically here stole the victory, covering Shotzi for the win after Gonzalez hit her finisher on Shotzi. Uh, Natalia gets the title match against Ronda Rousey. I would assume it would happen at Hell in a Cell because I believe Ronda was uh, promoted for Hell in a Cell. But Michael Cole on commentary did not mention Hell in a Cell. He said that Ronda Rousey and Natalia would be down the road. When down the road, I don't know. Hopefully, it's fucking 8,000 miles away because I don't want to see it happen again, man. Are you serious? Ronda Rousey versus Natalia for the SmackDown Women's Championship when Natalia obviously was making a big deal about the tag team championships with Shayna Baszler. So I, I have to ask everybody, man, why exactly is Ronda Rousey back? Ronda Rousey is back for what reason? Are we still on this Ronda Rousey is back to help the women's division? Bullshit. Is that the excuse people are using now? Ronda Rousey's back to help the women's division? Well, what's the difference between this run and Ronda's last run? I can't. I can't really pinpoint why she's back. Ronda, at least, was back to help the division, and she did help the division. She had one of the best rookie years in WWE history. She had the best match at WrestleMania of the year she came back. Uh, to uh, combat sports and became a professional wrestler. She had the best match at WrestleMania that year, teaming with Kurt Angle against Stephanie McMahon and Triple H. The fuck is going on here with this run, man? In that run, she wrestled Natalia. So seemingly looks like WWE is doing the same thing with Ronda that they did the first time around, but this time around, half of the fucking audience is missing from a couple of years ago. So why are we using Ronda... 
in this moment, in this division as the world champion, if she honestly and genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, does nothing for the division. Ronda is not a draw. Nobody gives a fuck about Ronda. Ronda's not making the title better. Ronda's actually making the title worse. Ronda is making the division worse. And by having the title on Ronda, everybody else that has a match with Ronda is going to fucking pale in comparison because nobody is on the level and has the background of Ronda Rousey. No, but we're doing Natalia again. Wow, man, Natalia is such a great up-and-coming superstar, man. Natalia is so great, man. I love to see WWE pushing fresh, new, vibrant talent. Like Natalia Neidhart. You fucking serious. This better be a one-off, and that is it. I don't give a fuck when the match happens or where it happens. Hell in a Cell, SmackDown, on the loading dock by fucking uh, Titus's uh, food truck delivery. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit where it happens. The match is fucking lame. It'll be a good match for the eight minutes that they have, and then it will be forgotten on the same fucking night that it happens when the show is over. Nobody gives a shit. What WWE needs to do here, and I mean this wholeheartedly, is stop pretending that there's a fucking tag team and that there's alliances between these women. Nobody wants to see it. Burn the fucking tag team titles. What they need to do here is if they want to have anything uh, remotely salvageable here with Ronda Rousey's run, what, what they need to do is, and she's in her 40s, she's not really in the age demographic that WWE wants to push somebody. It's too late for that. They had the opportunity to do that coming off of Triple H's brilliant booking of her, but they fucking dropped the ball and paired her with Nia Jax. Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler needs to remove herself from the natty situation. Shayna Baszler needs to go back to wearing the black leather jacket and looking like she's about to fucking crush balls, and she needs to come out looking like she's going to split some fucking skulls and shed blood all over the women's division. We need that Shayna Baszler back. We need badass Shayna Baszler back. If we're not going to turn Ronda Rousey into a heel... Ronda Rousey, obviously, is going to be the babyface. Shayna Baszler be the heel. This is the only fucking thing that makes sense. I'm not saying for Shayna to take the title off of Ronda. All I'm asking is for Shayna Baszler to rough up Ronda Rousey here and there, man, and assert her dominance over her legit best friend and stablemate. That's what we want to see. It's legitimately the only thing that makes sense. If you're not bringing Bailey back... If you're not moving Becky over to SmackDown, there's nothing for Ronda to do in this company. So I ask again, why is she back? When Ronda leaves the company, hopefully for good, following WrestleMania 39, I hope she never comes back, number one. And number two, when she leaves, she'll be leaving the division to who? She's going to leave it in the hands of Becky Lynch, a greedy bitch. That doesn't give a fuck about the overall health of the women's division. So I ask again, why is Ronda back? And what is the purpose of Ronda Rousey being here for the WWE? She's not a ratings draw. She's not generating any interest for the fucking show. She's not generating any interest for the women's division. The fuck she doing here? This entire run will pale in comparison 
to everything that this woman did in year one. By, the, by, by everything you're doing now, you're making a mockery of everything she did in year one. I don't get it. Natalia wins this match. Make sure you guys bring your pillows for when that match occurs because it'll be the, eight, the best eight-minute nap you'll ever have in your entire life. Rousey entered the ring, got Natalia's face. Cole said both are submission specialists. Both are also insomnia specialists, man. The cure for insomnia is uh, right within Natalia and Ronda Rousey's grasp. Cole said Rousey wants to be a fighting champion, so she'll have her work cut out for her. We got Madcap Moss. There were rumors going around that Madcap was undergoing a gimmick change. We didn't really get a gimmick change, per se. A gimmick change would mean the overall complete package changed. Madcap remains. All they did was remove the suspenders. So he doesn't look like a comedy geek anymore. So they did this great shot. And I will admit this was a great shot. They had this shot of an ambulance backing up into the arena. And then out comes Madcap through the doors. He's wearing black trunks. And he's standing there very angry looking. And we go to commercial break. It was all business. He had this angry face and he had no suspenders on. So Madcap Moss walked to the ringside area, took a deep breath. He got in the ring. He cut a promo. There was no MJF promo, but uh, he cut a promo. And he says about Corbin, he thought that would be the end of Madcap Moss with what Corbin did. Crowd chanted, welcome back to Madcap. He said he was right. He said, that man is gone. So the man who would take his crap and laugh it off is gone. I buried the old Madcap. He called Corbin to the ring. Corbin walked out to ringside. He told Moss that if he is there to beg for his job back, he'll consider it. Moss said the only thing he wants from him is to enter the ring so he can kick his teeth down his throat. Corbin said he'd love to enter the ring and teach him another lesson in humility, but not tonight. He said he'd hate for Moss to throw away his entire career because he's emotional. It's a bad idea. Pierce walked out and said he likes the idea of a match between the both of them, and the crowd obviously was... Wanting to see Madcap get the best of Baron Corbin. So the match is official. Corbin and Madcap Moss win about one minute. Corbin wins via DQ. Corbin grabbed the chair at ringside early. Moss grabbed it from him and jabbed him in the gut with it. And we get a DQ. WWE cannot go one week without a fucking DQ ending. And that's what we got here on SmackDown. Uh, Moss bashed Corbin with the chair uh, in the midsection around ringside. He let out a big primal scream. Uh, Moss brought the steps into the ring. Officials ran out and separated them before this got a lot worse. Moss, you know, the name doesn't really bother me. You know, Madcap Moss, whatever the case may be, fine. You want to keep Madcap Moss, keep Madcap Moss. He needed to shed the fucking jokes and the gimmick and the suspenders and the fucking theme music and the (laughs) laughing bullshit. He needed to shed that. I'm glad that they got rid of the majority of that. I don't mind the name staying, but I'm glad that they got rid of of the gimmick overall. He looks great. He looks great. He looks like somebody that legitimately Vince McMahon would fucking fall in love with and get a huge push on the main roster just based on the way he looks. He looks like a great guy. He looks like he's, uh, uh, you know, 
down to earth, and he looks like somebody that is very humble and would work hard and really go out there and give his everything and anything that they ask of him. And I want to see him succeed. I was a big fan of his in NXT. I don't know if you guys remember, man. They didn't have a, they didn't have a tag team name. But Riddick Moss in NXT during the black and gold era, he teamed with Tino Sabatelli. I'm not sure if you guys remember this. Tino Sabatelli actually is the fiancé or, or the boyfriend. I, I don't know what their relationship is of Mandy Rose. So they're, they're an item together, and I still, I still hear his name thrown around every, so, every, uh, every now and then, every so often. And, and he actually had an interview right before, I believe it was Revolution. I think it was Revolution, or sometime after WrestleMania. So I think it was around WrestleMania time. And uh, apparently a lot of people thought that he was a rat during his one and only NXT appearance. And I believe Chris Jericho actually called him out because he released uh, spoilers during some uh, AEW Rampage tapings or some dark tapings or whatever the case may be. And he never made another AEW appearance after that. So Jericho has some huge political pull in AEW. Jericho saw that he never came back again. And Tino Sabatelli, man, let me tell you, not only did he look the part, my goodness, man, Tino looked fucking great. He really did, man. Tino was, was built like a Greek god. He looked fantastic. I thought that the, the team of him and Reddick Moss, man, how that failed, I, I'll never know. I'll never know. He, he was very injury prone. And then Moss got hurt. He was out for a little bit. But my God, man, they, they were fucking great. They had the makeup of a great tag team. The only thing they didn't have was a tag team name. So I was a big fan of Riddick Moss back then. And I'm glad that he's getting some level of, of success here. But this Corbin shit has to end, man. This Corbin shit has to end. We need to get him in something a little bit more digestible. Because I don't think anybody out there loves anything Baron Corbin's doing. In fact, I think Baron, Baron Corbin's a channel changer, honestly. But he looks great. They, they booked this match tonight. It went one minute. DQ Corbin gets a victory. Adam Pearce, um, he was met by Baron Corbin in the back. And Corbin limped over after the beatdown that Moss gave him and told him that Moss needs to be suspended for what he did. Pearce said, no, no, I'm not suspending I'm not suspending Mad Cat Moss. Uh, what you did to him was a lot worse than what he did to you tonight. So I'm booking an Oho's Bard match for Sunday night at Hell in a Cell. So SmackDown finally makes the Hell in a Cell show. They finally have a match booked on the show. One SmackDown match. One SmackDown match opposing six Monday Night Raw matches. I can't stand it. The same shit over and over and over again. But like I said, it's great to see Moss and him dropping the suspenders and the bad jokes. Hopefully they do something with him that's a little bit more substantial. Because God only knows they need some new talent to take the fucking reins, to take the balls, and really run with it. I hope that's Moss. I really do. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans had a vignette promoting that she will be wrestling on SmackDown Next week, Michael Cole called her inspirational. She's anything but inspirational. I wish she would inspirate a lot of people in the unemployment line. Lacey Evans was moved back to SmackDown. You're probably asking, well, J.D., didn't you report um, on something about Lacey Evans moving to Monday Night Raw via one of the dirt sheets? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I reported that Lacey Evans was moving to Monday Night Raw because she was on Monday Night Raw giving a very cringy, inspirational speech only to then have her debut next 
and then show up at some NASCAR race only for that to happen and then move her back to SmackDown. WWE doesn't know what the fuck they're doing with Lacey Evans. Plans have changed again in WWE, and this time it revolves around Lacey Evans again. When Lacey Evans returned to WWE TV several weeks ago, the plan was for her to be slotted as a heel. Then she was moved to Raw, and then they quietly dropped the heel teases. PW Insider reports now again that Lacey Evans is being moved back to SmackDown. Evans was scheduled to return to in-ring action this past Monday on Memorial Day. That would have made sense, but clearly they nixed it. And that never happened, and there was no explanation given for why they axed the segment. Now, I'm not complaining. I just find it very, very typical of WWE to be very hypocritical by calling Sasha Banks and Naomi unprofessional. Meanwhile, they promoted this debut for Lacey Evans a week before it was supposed to take place, only for Memorial Day's Raw to come and then not make any mention of it, drop it with no explanation. So is Sasha Banks and Naomi unprofessional, Bruce? You seemingly go about doing the same thing and be behaving the same way, right? So how is Sasha Banks and Naomi unprofessional when you just went ahead and did the same thing. I don't care. I don't. Lacey Evans should be in the unemployment line. And Lacey Evans, she's already a failure, if you ask me. Nobody is going to give a shit about Lacey Evans. What is going to happen on SmackDown that was not or was going to happen on Monday Night Raw? I don't understand it. Do we have a babyface heel deficiency on Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown? What's the reason? What's the reason? How many heels we got on the SmackDown side? We got Natalia, We got Shayna. We got Shotzi. And that's pretty much it. We got three heels, right? Then we got Raquel Gonzalez, babyface. We got Zia Lee, babyface. Aaliyah, babyface. And then we got Lacey Evans, babyface. So the babyfaces outweigh the heels here. Great. There's no plan for her on Raw. There's no plan for her on SmackDown. Why is she even here? Why is she even here? Nobody gives a flying fuck about Lacey Evans. Nobody did. Nobody will. Nobody will ever. Give me a break. So moving on with the rest of this shit show on SmackDown. Gunther. He's getting an Intercontinental Championship match against the one and only Ricochet. Got a soundbite airing with Ricochet saying Gunther will learn to respect his abilities on his so-called sacred mat, and he will keep the belt over his shoulder. (laughs) Oh, Ricochet, man, you're a fucking comedian, man. Yeah, I hope you have some cold beverages on ice after that match is over, man. You better get the massage table ready, and you better get your girlfriend to fucking really lick your wounds there, bro. Uh, You ain't walking out with the Intercontinental Championship at all if you're in a match with Gunther, the ring general. There's no way this is happening at all. No way. Gunther said he's going to take the Intercontinental Championship and bring honor and prestige back to said championship. Now, I love that the match is happening. Don't get me wrong. I love that the match is happening. Do not Mistake me when I say I think both Gunther, Walter, and Ricochet are fucking great. 
Now, the thing is, WWE clearly won't do this match on the pay-per-view, and I don't understand why. SmackDown has no representation outside of Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss at the pay-per-view. Why can't this match be on the pay-per-view for the Intercontinental Championship? The Intercontinental Championship hasn't been defended on pay-per-view since WrestleMania 30, well, what are we in, 38 this year? WrestleMania 37. WWE hasn't had the IC title defended since WrestleMania 37 when Big E defended the title against Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum match. So you mean to tell me that the IC title on Ricochet that has done nothing for Ricochet can't even make the fucking pay-per-view? You can't put that title on the line in front of all these people in a sold-out crowd in Chicago that would appreciate the fucking athletic ability of Ricochet and a great match with Walter? Was that too difficult, Bruce Pritchard? Apparently so. Apparently so. So the IC title more than likely will be changing hands next week. There's no fucking way that Ricochet is winning that match unless WWE was going to hold off on putting this match on a bigger show and doing it at Money in the Bank. I don't, I don't really understand. If you want to take the fucking title off Ricochet, just book the match for Sunday at the pay-per-view. There's no point in having him retain the title in a, a screwy finish only to do the match at the next pay-per-view. Clearly, he's doing nothing with the title. Clearly, you guys don't have any plans for the title. So you might as well just take it off of him and just fucking end his misery. It's amazing how established Ricochet is as a professional wrestler and how great Ricochet is and how worthless the fucking title feels on Ricochet. Normally, in a perfect world, the title would make Ricochet and Ricochet would make the title. But both the title and Ricochet are seemingly made for one another because they're both fucking jokes. That's the current status of the Intercontinental title in the current day WWE. These people are fucked. These people are mentally fucked. It is so fucking terrible. He's not walking out as IC champion. There's no fucking way that Gunther is losing that match. None. Should be a great match. Don't know why it's happening on SmackDown and not the pay-per-view, but it's going to happen, and Gunther's going to win the Intercontinental title. The Usos versus Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura here. This was the main event, and this one went 13 minutes. This is the same shit that we saw with Randy Orton, only with Nakamura now involved. I can't stand it. It's, this show sucks. Fucking hate this show. Riddle tagged in after Nakamura was being beaten down. Scored a near fall on Jay Uso. Riddle went for a top rope move, but Jimmy knocked him off the top rope. Jimmy tagged in, scored a near fall after stereo super kicks with Jay. Nakamura broke up a cover. And tossed Jay into the ringside steps on the outside. He went for a running knee, but Jay moved. The Usos then double-teamed Nakamura and kicked his knee. So the trainers come out, and they attended to Nakamura and helped him to the back. The referee threw up the X logo, the X sign. So WWE taking out Nakamura here as they continue the storyline with the Usos taking out everybody that is remotely close to Matt Riddle as he battles the bloodline. I saw some people claiming on social media, oh, is Nakamura hurt? The referee threw up the X sign. No, WWE is graying the lines of reality. Nakamura is not hurt, and Nakamura is only playing a part in the grander story here between Riddle and the bloodline. So now he is taken out of the equation. 
So the trainers take Nakamura away. This is a two-on-one handicap match at this point for the tag team titles. The Usos had control of Riddle. Riddle made a comeback, uh, a valiant comeback, and this would be the upset of the century, says Michael Cole, if he wins the tag team titles against the Usos two-on-one. Riddle then hit a draping DDT, so he's uh, channeling his inner Viper. He played to the crowd. He set up an RKO. Uh, Riddle went for a top rope RKO at one point, and then all of a sudden... Roman Reigns' music plays. Roman Reigns was not on the show tonight. You can definitely get a sense of how SmackDown is with and without Roman Reigns. The show can ill afford to be without Roman Reigns for any fucking reason. So Roman Reigns' music played, and I'm saying to myself, fucking crap. It did this lame ending again where somebody's theme music goes off, and nobody knows why it's playing, and the baby face <laughs> gets distracted, looks around, and then gets pinned one, two, three. So I thought that was going to be the case, and they weren't really going to give you an explanation. Riddle hit the move off the top rope. Roman Reigns' music is still playing, but he got confused at what was going on. He thought it was going to be a three-on-one. Jay Blind tagged in during this RKO top rope sequence. He landed a top rope splash, and the Usos retained the tag team titles. So at the end, Matt Riddle got confused by the theme music playing. They cut to Sami Zayn in the production truck celebrating. It worked. It worked, he says. Revealing he was the one who played Roman Reigns' music. Sami joined the Usos then on stage and celebrated. Riddle saw what had happened. He was fuming. He exits the ring. He runs up the stage. He goes after Sami. He starts beating down Sami. The Usos beat down on Matt Riddle. And the referees and officials come out to break up this big melee and pull them all apart. So the Usos actually were very appreciative of Sami Zayn helping them here in this situation. Sami Zayn thought he did a good thing. It worked. And Matt Riddle is seemingly going to continue his uh, quest at getting back and getting revenge on the bloodline, the Usos and Roman Reigns. Now, there was a news article that Roman Reigns' next undisputed Universal Heavyweight Championship title defense right now is still undecided. Now, it was originally planned by WWE where they had Reigns penciled in against Matt Riddle in July for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. That was going to be the Money in the Bank main event, Matt Riddle versus Roman Reigns. Then they had Randy Orton penciled in for Roman Reigns at SummerSlam and then Drew McIntyre at Clash of the Castle, where he's already planted seeds for that. He came out in the beginning of the show and said, I will be the Universal Heavyweight Champion, the undisputed heavyweight champion at Clash of the Castle, and I'm going to challenge Roman Reigns for that title. So they're already planting seeds for that. That is no question. It's going to happen there. Now, his status for Money in the Bank is said to be up in the air. Roman Reigns' status, that is. After WWE moved the pay-per-view from Las Vegas' Allegiant Stadium to the smaller, more uh, <laughs> intimate meaning WWE couldn't sell out Allegiant Stadium to be uh, interesting enough for Money in the Bank, to the smaller MGM Grand Garden Arena where Reigns was supposed to wrestle Riddle. Now it's seemingly off the card, and he was pulled from all advertisements for Money in the Bank. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer that WWE has still yet to make a final decision on when Reigns will actually defend the championship. The company is considering whether to have Reigns wrestle up Money in the Bank as originally planned or wait until SummerSlam in late July. WWE is planning to have Riddle team with Shinsuke Nakamura to battle the Usos in the bloodline 
Nakamura, as we saw tonight, got taken out of the equation, and that is not going to be a thing from this point on. So it looks like after after the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view where there will be no tag team title match, we got the tag team title match tonight. I don't know why they didn't do this on Sunday night. There will be Matt Riddle on the build, the start of the build for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I do believe that we will end up getting Matt Riddle versus Roman Reigns. Now, I don't know why they pulled Roman Reigns from the advertisements. Uh, maybe new advertisements are being made. Maybe they want to get the advertisements out there for the show uh, as the build is happening. I don't know what's going on with the ticket sales for Money in the Bank. Maybe they feel like they don't need to advertise Roman Reigns because they moved to the MGM Grand and they might have the, sh- the show sold out pretty much by moving it to a much smaller venue, 12,000, 12,000 plus or so. So they may already have the show sold out. So I don't know why they pulled Reigns outside of that reason. Maybe the show's already sold out and they feel like they don't need advertisements for Roman Reigns and they put somebody else on the show to give them the advertisement. Meanwhile, Reigns is still going to be on the show, but he's not going to be the biggest match of the night. The Money in the Bank matches are. The Money in the Bank matches are the reason for the show. The men's and women's Money in the Bank ladder match. So Roman Reigns is going to wrestle a, a, a title match with Matt Riddle. It seemingly you know, looks like where it's going. I don't know why they would not do the match after what we saw the last couple of weeks, right? Matt Riddle need Roman Reigns in the face before the title match, before the unification match with the Usos and RK-Bro. Roman Reigns helped the Usos pin Matt Riddle in the title match to get that title into the bloodline faction. And then they destroyed Matt Riddle and Randy Orton following that match. Only for all of this to happen tonight where he seemingly has nobody. And he's now going after the bloodline on his own. Seemingly, he will end with Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank. It all makes sense. WWE is trying to overcomplicate things, and something like this doesn't need to be overcomplicated. Something like this is very simple. Sometimes it's the simplest things, the most basic of things, that are the best option, so you might as well just stay the course on this. Matt Riddle at Money in the Bank. Randy Orton, that they teased tonight, his career may be over. Uh, Randy Orton's career is not over from a fucking pussy-ass attack from the bloodline on SmackDown, he will be at SummerSlam against Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns is going to take out Riddle and Randy Orton individually. Then they're going to have their own fucking problems away from the bloodline. And then Roman Reigns and the bloodline are going to factor in to whatever's going on with Drew, and they're going to focus their attention on that. It's very simple. I don't know why WWE needs to overcomplicate things here for the world championship on SmackDown. The simplest way is always best. Stop overthinking it. Just do what needs to be done. If Roman Reigns is not defending the title at Hell in a Cell and hasn't defended the title since he won it from Brock Lesnar in WrestleMania, there should be no fucking way he goes into Money in the Bank not on the show defending that title. No way. You're not having him come out of WrestleMania and miss two pay-per-views and not defend the title. And I'm going to question why we even gave him the fucking title to begin with, and why Monday Night Raw is without a world champion, only for Roman Reigns to sit on his fucking ass and not be on TV. Then you're going to start hearing chatter about that. WWE is fucking clueless. This show sucks. This entire show is a waste of my time every Friday. Thank God for a live AEW Rampage, which was awesome tonight. Rampage was awesome tonight. They started the show off with the Young Bucks... And the Lucha Brothers. This went 15 minutes. 
15 minutes to open Rampage tonight, and we may have gotten one of the best matches to open Rampage in a very, very long time. Maybe one of the best Rampage match openers ever between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. So I'm not going to go over everything that happened in this match. It's, you know, with matches like this and teams like this, tag team matches like this, it is physically fucking impossible to really just not watch with eyes wide open. I'm not putting my, my face in my iPad fucking writing down everything that these two teams do, man. It's physically impossible. I can't do it. So we'll pick it up after the break. Apparently right before the break, we got Phoenix coming off the top rope with a splash on Matt. He got his knees up. Nick got the tag, and the show goes to a commercial break. So, back from break, we see the Hardy Boys. We see Jeff and Matt Hardy in the crowd. We see Jurassic Express. They're watching from the crowd as well. I got news on Jeff Hardy in just a second as well, because they're definitely going to factor into all this. Matt Jackson hit a Northern Light suplex, double Northern Light suplex. Nick hit, Nick hit the assisted Centon Atomico for the near fall. Phoenix caught Matt with a Rana and a hook kick to Nick, and then the Lucha Brothers took him out with a double foot stomp DDT on the floor. They go to Matt with a foot stomp DDT in the ring. That only gets a two count on the legal man, Matt Jackson. Phoenix hit a tope con hero on Nick on the floor. Penta then hit Made in Japan on Matt, and Phoenix followed up with a frog splash on Matt Jackson for a very close two count. Nick dropped uh, Penta into a poison runner from Matt, And then Matt came off the top rope with an elbow on Phoenix for another near fall. Phoenix and Nick Jackson exchanged forearms in the middle of the ring. Phoenix and Penta caught Nick with a pair of kicks. Phoenix hit a splash off the top rope, off of Penta's shoulders, while Penta was standing on the middle rope. And then Penta hit a Canadian destroyer on Matt, but that only got a two count. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. The crowd went fucking berserk. Everything these two teams did. Nick caught Phoenix with a small package. And the Bucks queued up the super kick party on the Lucha Brothers. The Bucks hit Phoenix with the Meltzer driver for a two. Shocked fans in the crowd as we got a kick out of the Meltzer driver by Phoenix. Penta made the save. It looks like Phoenix kicked out before Penta made the save. Penta looked like he was a little late on making the save in that. So maybe Phoenix did kick out because he knew Penta was going to be a little late. Penta taunted Matt Jackson after breaking up the cover, so Matt yanked off his mask to an insane amount of heel heat. Now, I love the commentary team on this. They, a- they actually said if this was Lucha Rules, if this was in Mexico, this would have been a disqualification. But in America, you can get away with this shit because it's not Mexico. So the, the Young Bucks, um, Matt... Jackson pulled off Penta's mask and took him out of the match completely because he's not showing his face. So this allowed the super kick party for uh, the Young Bucks on Penta and then the BTE trigger on Phoenix. And that was it. That was it. Easily, easily one of the best matches on Rampage uh, and easily the best match on Rampage since the Andrade and Pac-Man main event that we saw not too long ago that occurred this year on Friday night. This was awesome. This was awesome. Uh, I love the Lucha Brothers. I love the Young Bucks. Every time they're in the ring together, they create fucking magic. And I really feel like the Young Bucks are really headed towards that tag team title and taking that tag team title off of Jurassic Express. 
And I think that's the right way to go about it because the Young Bucks right now, they're starting to gain a lot of momentum, man. They really are starting to gain a lot of momentum. And I could easily see them winning the tag team championships from the current champions, Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. Now, the Hardys. I think the Hardys are going to factor into this thing as well. Whether or not they win the tag team championship, I don't know. Probably not. Uh, Jeff Hardy was injured at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And Matt Hardy kind of divulged information on what had happened to Jeff during that match, that tag team match with the Young Bucks on Sunday night at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. On this week's Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy discussed Jeff's condition after their Double or Nothing match. Jeff was having issues with his boot, and he documented everything that happened there to fill us in. Now, I I talked about this with Jesse on Sunday night, early Monday morning. We got a lot of... Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy talk on the podcast on Sunday night following the pay-per-view. And it looked to me that he was a little, he was a little off on Sunday night. He looked a little, a little floaty is what I said. Now, I'm not insinuating that he, that he had drug issues or he was under the influence of something. I, I never said such things. But he looked a little off. And now we know why. He says, and I quote, I was happy with the match, says Matt Hardy. Especially considering very early in the match, Jeff was almost knocked out. He got hurt pretty badly. That's why he's been pulled from the match on Wednesday's Dynamite in Los Angeles. He was kind of running on fumes going through the match. So he still held up his end of the bargain pretty good in the big scheme of things. He doesn't remember the match at all after it happened. He was literally just a vessel being given directions throughout this match to do what he was supposed to do. So considering he got knocked out, legitimately knocked loopy terribly at some point early in the match, he still did pretty well to go through and do everything he did. Thank God that's all it was. And I really hope that they kind of tone it down and really stop the fucking unnecessary nonsense that they're doing. He probably wasn't even 100% coming out of the Darby Allen match in the Owen Cup in the first round. Now, if you go back and watch that match, it was 10 minutes of nonsense. No DQ. It was the only match in the entire tournament that went no DQ. Because it's Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen, and we got to get off on Jeff Hardy fucking killing himself every time he's in the ring. He didn't come over to AEW at his age now with Matt, to team with Matt, to be fucking 25 years younger in the Hardys. This is a different Hardy team. It should be a different Hardy team. They should be working cohesively at their rage at a much slower, methodical, and smarter level. But they still want to go out there pretending like they can fucking jump off ladders and jump through tables and be fucking demolition derby fucking wrestlers like they were 25 years ago. Can't be. Can't be. So why would you actively put him through that and then have him off of television when he was one of the biggest free agent signings of the entire year coming on over from WWE? So I don't know when he's going to be right, but he obviously got a concussion. Now, Jeff was having issues with his boot during the match, and he also gives an update on Adam Cole, who was also pulled from Dynamite in that big 10-man tag in Los Angeles on Wednesday. He has his boots that buckle up, and one of his buckles snapped and broke, so he had a pretty rough, hard night. Adam Cole also got injured as well during his match with Samoa Joe, says Matt Hardy, end quote. So that was that. 
So no under the influence. Uh, it's not something that should really be alarming to people. He got knocked out in the match, and that's why he got pulled from Dynamite on Wednesday. Now, that's not the only Matt Hardy situation that I have as far as news. Uh, Jeff Hardy, that is. Jeff Hardy news I got as far as his situation. Jeff actually detailed his last days in WWE. He detailed one WWE segment that left him crushed and heartbroken. And a lot of people, when I tell you what it is, a lot of people are going to wonder, you know, obviously, that's the 24-7 title shit is a joke. And all of these wrestlers that are a part of that, they obviously can't say what they feel, but now Jeff is at liberty to tell everybody exactly how he felt and what probably everybody is feeling chasing the 24-7 title. He's been a part of many different storylines and segments in his 20-plus year career. And Hardy was released in WWE back in December of 2021 following an incident at a WWE Live event where he now finds himself in AEW teaming with Matt. Jeff's final months in WWE saw him be featured on and off, including him being a part of the 24-7 championship scene on one episode of Raw in September. The Hardys Bolt recently appeared on Talk of Jericho, where Jeff discussed how the segment left him feeling crushed about his future. He says this, I feel bad about saying this because I'm so easy to work with. I'll do pretty much whatever you want. But I was pretty crushed that day. I was like, okay, this is it. I don't know why I'm here. They're really doing this to me, and that is not an arrogant thing to say. I felt ashamed, and I like, and like I shouldn't be doing this. But I did it, and I was like, man, what does this mean? Matt then comes in and says, I did one of those two one time before I left. I was running down a hall chasing R-Truth or somebody. You know how these people are viewed. For them to put you in that category, it's just like, come on, man. Jericho then claimed Jeff being involved felt like a slap in the face, to which Jeff agreed, saying, yeah, for sure, it felt that way. It felt a little degrading, for sure. So imagine what everybody in the 24-7 title bullshit is thinking for themselves or to themselves when they have to do the the fucking god-awful nonsense that WWE requires them to do and asks of them weekly. You, You just get a sense of what they think just listening to Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy on Talk is Jericho, briefly talk about their, their time in the 24-7 title bullshit chasing around the fucking VIPs in catering. Imagine what those people are thinking now that Jeff and Matt revealed how they think. You don't think those people are thinking the same thing that Matt and Jeff expressed to everybody on Talk is Jericho? Come on now, man. What a fucking joke. WWE basically is fucking Nick Jr., on Monday and Friday night. It is disgusting how they refuse to grow up and give us adult-orientated television. Thank God for AEW. Powerhouse Hobbs and absolute Ricky Starks defeated two enhancement talents in about 40 seconds. Uh, I didn't didn't mind this at all. Uh, I would really appreciate uh, them getting some solid wins under their belt legitimately as a tag team before we start putting them in the tag team title picture and going after the tag team titles. So I think that was great. It shows that they are focused, hungry, and legit fucking killers, especially Powerhouse Hobbs, man. So good on them. Uh, I didn't even get a name for these guys. They destroyed them in about 40 seconds. Athena 
She went on and wrestled Kira Hogan with Stokely Hathaway, Jade Cargill, and Red Velvet sitting at ringside. Uh, I got news on Stokely Hathaway in just a second as well uh, as far as uh, what he actually turned down uh, to not re-sign with the WWE. Now, I talked about this on, on today's Extra. Jade Cargill, the TBS champion, is obviously the center of everybody's attention in AEW management. And we understand that Jade is a big deal. We understand Jade is the apple of Tony Khan's eye. We get it. So is Britt Baker. So is Britt Baker. I want you guys to understand something. On Wednesday's Dynamite, we got CM Punk, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. He was on the show. Scorpio Sky, the TNT champion, he was on the show. There's two championships. That's two major men's singles championships on the show. Tag team championships were on the show. Jurassic Express, they took a losing pinfall to the Young Bucks on Wednesday night. So we got the three major men's championships in AEW all featured on Wednesday. Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill had a stare down with Athena on Wednesday. Jade Cargill holding the second Derry Women's Championship in AEW. My question is, where's Thunder Rosa? Where's Thunder Rosa with the AEW Women's Championship? The biggest prize in the women's division, where's Thunder Rosa? Now, the report claimed that Thunder Rosa was ill, and that's why she did not make the show. Now, I think Fightful, if I could find it, Fightful reported why Thunder Rosa was not on the show, and that was because she was ill. Then there was a report that came out that claimed that though she was ill, she did have internal plans for the show, and I'm trying to find that as of now, and I can't find that. Now, I don't know if legitimately she was supposed to be on the show, if she had plans for the show, but Mike Johnson claimed that Thunder Rosa was ill, and they pulled her from the show for whatever she was planned to do. But on top of that, I made a video about it, and I claimed, well, you have all these other championships on the show, but Thunder Rose is seemingly missing. If Thunder Rose is not on the show, then you can give us a highlight of her winning over Serena Deeb, telling us how great the match was, and giving them their flowers, and exclaiming to everybody how it was one of the best women's matches in all of AEW history. Nothing. Not one fucking mention of Thunder Rosa, not one mention of the title, not one mention of their match, at double or nothing, not one mention of Serena Deeb, nothing. Nothing. And people told me, well, she was ill, JD, she was ill. That doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. That's an excuse for something being done that is not right. Okay? The report claimed that Thunder Rosa was frustrated. A lot of people claim, oh, JD, why are you reporting clickbait articles from what culture? I don't need a clickbait article from what culture to know that Thunder Rosa is frustrated, okay? I don't need anybody's report to know that Thunder Rosa is frustrated. The woman's had a 78 run, 78 day run as champion and has gotten basically not one fucking moment that really has mattered on television at all. She's gotten two weeks of build with Serena Deeb. She's gotten two weeks of build for a nothing match with Nyla Rose, and that's it. That's it. She's lucky the match with Serena Deeb got over as well as it did 
on Sunday night. But the fact that Tony Khan and AEW management showed off every other championship, no matter if Thunder Rosa was ill or not, the fact that you did not mention her match on Sunday night, which probably was a top three match of the entire night, if you told me it was your favorite match, I'm not going to argue with you. The simple fact that it wasn't mentioned one night on the entire show is a fucking crime and an injustice to Thunder Rosa and Serena Deep. I'm sorry. That woman, no matter what, should be talked about and featured on the show. If you feature Jade Cargill as often as you do with the TBS Championship, there should be no fucking reason why, why, why Thunder Rosa is not featured on the show. What is it? Is the fact that she's not a good promo? Jade Cargill's not a good promo either. That's why Stokely Hathaway is with Jade Cargill. Is she getting better? Sure. But Jade Cargill is on the same level of promo as Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa's holding the bigger, more important world championship in the women's division. So why is Jade getting TV time as much as she is, but Thunder Rosa is not? That can't be it, right? Thunder Rosa being a decent promo, not up to your standards, can't be it. He doesn't cut a bad promo. What is it? What is it? This is a woman that wanted to take the title and make the division important with what she does, and you're not allowing her to do what she does to build the division and importance with the title in the division. So who are you letting down? You're letting down Thunder Rosa. You took her trust and her pride for granted, and now everybody else that the champion in the company is being promoted except your women's champion. I find that to be inexcusable. I find that to be totally fucking inexcusable. I'm sorry. I'm a Thunder Rosa Mark. I'm sorry. I, w- I would be a Thunder Rosa Mark if she was not in the chat or, or, or not. If she was in the chat or not. I don't give a shit. I don't care. She's your world champion. Rip Baker gets more fucking TV time than Thunder Rosa, and she's not even a fucking champion. Inexcusable. You find something for that woman to do. You're not bringing in Tony Storm and Athena and a possible Candice LeRae and a Dakota Kai, possibly. You don't got all these fucking women. If you look up and down the AEW women's division and the names that are there and the names that will more than likely end up there, on paper, they have the best women's division in the fucking United States. Why is she not getting a better run as champion. But Jade Cargill has her first opponent coming out of double or nothing, but Thunder Rosa seemingly has a date with fucking catering. Jesus fucking Christ, man. I don't really believe what's going on. AEW's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a fan of what Tony Khan is doing. I'm a big fan of what Tony Khan is doing, but this is a fucking botch if I ever seen one. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Athena. Athena beat Kiara Hogan in a very good match tonight. I saw a different Athena. I saw an Athena that was hungry tonight. I saw an Athena that was dead in NXT. Dead in WWE. She came out. She looked happy to be there. She looked excited to be there. I felt the energy off of her body Tonight, off of her fucking character tonight, 
She looked like she had the time of her life, man. And she looked great in there. She bumped. She sold for Hogan. She hit a beautiful eclipse, which I think she's calling the O-Face now. I don't know what, what she's why she's calling it the O-Face, but I'm going to call it the Eclipse because I think that is a great name for the move. So we had the Baddies and Malcolm Bivens on the outside. Uh, Red Velvet got involved here, and Athena tried to taunt Cargill on the floor, but that was a mistake. Velvet sent Athena into the ring apron while Hogan distracted the referee. Hogan took control as we go to commercial break. Back from break, Athena hit a shotgun dropkick. Athena went to the top for a finish, but Velvet distracted her, and Hogan pulled her off the ropes. Velvet hit a Harunkarana and a sliding kick in the corner, or Hogan, rather, for near fall. After a series of reversals, Athena nailed Velvet with a solid shot, but got crotched by Hogan, where she went to the top rope. Athena shoved Hogan down to the mat and hit her top rope stunner, which she used to call the Eclipse, which looked beautiful tonight. And she got some fucking length on that one, man. My goodness, she got some distance on that one. And she got the pinfall one, two, three. Jade looked a little concerned after Athena got the victory over Kiara Hogan. And she slays one of the baddies tonight on Rampage. Um, Athena is really going to be tested. Athena is really going to be tested in the match with Jade. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Now, I want Jade to be the next big thing in women's wrestling. I really, I really do. I, I have high hopes for Jade. I think she's gotten better. But she's been on and off. She's been shaky. For every two matches that we say, oh, she's getting better, you know, she goes right back to being, she still needs a lot of work. Athena's going to have her work cut out for her. And it's really going to show how good Athena is if she can bring Jade to a great match. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Now, I do think that Chris Statlander should be the one to take the title from Jade, but they're going with Athena, possibly to take down Jade Cargill here for the TBS championship. So I thought she looked great, and after what we saw tonight, it was everything that I had hoped it would be. That is a great addition to the women's division because if she is as good as she was tonight, imagine what she's going to be and what she's going to be for that division uh, months from now. That's a great fucking pickup. With Tony Khan and AEW. Malcolm Bivens or Stokely Hathaway was on the outside. I got some news on Malcolm Bivens, Stokely Hathaway. Listen to this, man. I got some news on what he actually turned down from WWE and the main roster. Now, he told the company back in 2021 that he intended to not resign. But Stokely Hathaway was convinced to stay because of the diamond mine idea. Fast forward into 2022, he told the company that he would not be resigning a new deal again. And the company wanted him on the main roster. He said no. He said no. So Hathaway apparently dumbed down the rumors, which I, I think is just him playing coy with the fans. Uh, I do think that, you know, this was actually in the works for him. He was pitched to be Omos's manager a few months ago, but he obviously, and justifiably so, declined. L.A. Knight was also considered for the role of Omos's manager, but the role ended up going to MVP. Hathaway was then released from the company in April. He confirmed last month that he did turn down WWE's main roster contract offer. He also said that nobody came to him with any creative plans to manage Omos on the main roster, which I call bullshit on. 
I, I think that was absolutely the plan. And I could see WWE pitching him for that role. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that Hathaway was offered a $250,000 salary to be called up to the main roster. He turned it down. He then joined AEW after saying at a comedy show that he conducted, he didn't want to be in pro wrestling anymore. He wanted to do what he is interested in. He wanted to focus his attention on other things. He signed with AEW. He made his debut at Double or Nothing this past Sunday night where he was now the new publicist for Jade Cargill, the TBS champion. $250,000 is a lot of money, man, to do absolutely nothing but cut a promo on Monday Night Raw. But clearly, $250,000 was not enough for him to go to the main roster and, cha- and manage Omas on Monday Night Raw. Now, I can tell you flat out that he ain't making $250,000 fucking dollars in-, in AEW. But it goes to show you that money is not the end-all, be-all for someone being happy. He took less money to go to AEW instead of do something he did not give a single fuck about on the main roster and manage Omas. He turned down a lot of money. I like that in a person, man. That's the makeup of a good fucking humble human being who just wants to be around things that make him happy. I love it. So he turned down $250,000 to manage Jake Cargill and not go to Monday Night Raw. Smart business, man, if you ask me. Plus, Jade is better to look at than fucking Omas. Give me a break. CM Punk, we talked about CM Punk at the top of the show. I'm not going to go over what he said again. If you guys want to hear my thoughts on that and what's going on with the World Championship, go back and listen to that. There will be a Battle Royal on Wednesday's Dynamite. The winner of the Battle Royal will challenge John Moxley in the main event of Dynamite on that same show. The winner of that match will then go on to challenge, I believe, it's not confirmed yet, but I don't know why they'd remove him, Challenge for the AEW Championship, I believe, against Hiroshi Tanahashi at the Forbidden Door because he was already in the main event before Punk got hurt. So we'll find out, I'm assuming, on Wednesday who the other man will be in uh, that match, the other man that will be in that match at Forbidden Door against Jon Moxley or whomever wins the Battle Royal. But that is the current plan right now for Dynamite and the AEW World Title. CM Punk has not vacated the world championship, a broken foot will probably keep him out four to six weeks. It's not the end of the world. Get better, get well, punk. We all miss you already, and we don't want any of this to be a huge ordeal. Just get back, and let's get the biggest storyline in AEW conducted for the summer of punk. Scorpio Sky. Dante Martin, this was the main event for Rampage tonight, TNT Championship match. We go to commercial break. Martin was being beaten down. Sky slowed the match down with a chin lock. Martin sent Sky to the floor with a low drop kick, followed out with a springboard crossbody from the top rope to the floor. Martin jumped from the floor to the bottom rope to the top turnbuckle and hit a uh, top rope drop kick for a near fall. Martin hit a TKO for a near fall as well. Um, moving on here, Martin hit a crossbody off the top rope at one point at the end of the match for a near fall. Scorpio Sky hit Martin with a hot shot, and then Scorpio Sky got the TKO for the one, two, three, and Dante Martin in, Dante Martin out. He loses here 
Uh, Scorpio Sky retains the TNT Championship. Uh, Scorpio Sky came up limping a little bit after the pinfall, so hopefully he is okay, and he is not uh, going to end up being injured as well. Otherwise, Tony Khan will uh, claim another interim championship for AEW, so hopefully that is not the case at all for Scorpio Sky. Between MJF, CM Punk tonight, MJF on Wednesday, uh, this has been probably the most newsworthy week in all of AEW history. Uh, it, it is crazy, man. Uh, this was a great rampage, great opening match with the Bucks and Lucha Brothers. We got CM Punk not vacating the title, not relinquishing the title. Uh, what you're going to get on Wednesday is what I just discussed. Athena had a beautiful debut tonight, and the TNT title saw a main event on what I thought was a very good rampage, man. So I appreciate you guys very, 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 very much here on OTS as we get into the Super Chats right now for the podcast, man. I'm not going to play any music, and it's going to be a little dull, but hopefully I can keep it entertaining, man. Every time I play music on my on my uh, roadcaster, it, it seemingly uh, gets cut. So I'm not going to deal with that issue. I don't want to give you guys a headache with the fucking sound going in and out. So we're going to go over the Super Chats. If you guys want to get them on in, please get them on in. We're going to hang out for a little bit. I need to take a sip of my cold beverage. Hopefully I can run through this in a timely fashion. But I appreciate you guys joining me on what was a great night. We had 2,600 people in the venue. Number one, as always, for OTS right here on your Friday night for the SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show on OTS. Let's start at the top, man. We're going to start with Ryan Heisler. Fight all super chat. Hey, bro, because OG... Resident Evil 4 is near and dear to your heart. What did you think about the RE4 remake trailer? Can't wait to see the Beer Garden OTS for life. Uh, Ryan, I did see the Resident Evil 4 trailer, and I am excited for the remake, and I can't wait to play it, man. But uh, waiting till March 24th, 2023 seems to be uh, a long way away. I hope it is a full remake. I hope it is a full game. And I'm hearing that there may be some tie-ins to uh, the last Resident Evil game, which was Village. So I consider Resident Evil 4 the best Resident Evil in all the franchise, with Village being number two. I love Village. I thought that was great, so I can't wait for it, man. I love it, and I think it looks great. I can't wait to replay it all over again, and I will definitely be streaming that for you guys whenever I do get uh, my hands on it. And Final Fantasy 16 as well. So that looked incredible as well, man. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, there was a a Dead Space-looking game as well that looked uh, very interesting, man. So, a lot of good games coming out of that little uh, state of the play for PlayStation 5. Tony Brown with a 499 Super Chat. Kira Meat. Absolutely, man. We got some, uh, we got fine booty meat on tonight's show, man. We had Jade, we had Velvet, we had Athena, we had Kira Hogan. Lots of booty meat for you, man. Lots of booty meat right there for you on AEW's side of things. Thank you, Tony Brown with the 499. Jonathan with the 499 Super Chat. What am I drinking? Four Roses, single barrel. My favorite. You're a good man, bro. Four, four, four Roses is excellent, as always. Joseph Taylor with a $4 Super Chat. The Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match of the year. Uh, no, it's not the match of the year. It was definitely the match of the night, for sure. Joseph Taylor. Jesse should watch... Out for his, uh, or watch out for this new Julia Hart. I forgot to mention that in my notes. Yes, Julia Hart cut a, a nice promo 
uh, on Rampage tonight in a nice vignette by the House of Black. So it looks like she's uh, incorporating this dark gimmick and really going along with it, man. She looks great. She sounded very good tonight. Thank you, Joseph Taylor. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Punk, Cole, Omega, Jeff Hardy, all hurt. That sucks. Um, Cole is not injured uh, to an extent where he's going to be out a long period of time. But, uh, you know, AEW can afford some injuries, man. They could. So they got their roster so stacked that Punk, Cole, Omega, and Jeff Hardy, they are just uh, a blink of the eye, man. They got so much talent to fill in at the top that you're not going to realize all of those men are out. Punk maybe, but he's not going to be out long, and AEW will be fine. Susan D'Ambrosio with a fight out Super Chat tonight. Live Rampage was awesome. Also, happy birthday to my father up in heaven. Love and miss you dearly. Happy birthday to Susan D'Ambrosio's late father. Susan, we love you. Thank you so much. OTS Venue loves you being here every single day in the venue, man. Thank you, Susan. Uh, Jose Charles with a $20 Super Chat. It really sucks, punk. Already can't be champion right before Forbidden Door. That alone would break my heart. But if I had to choose an interim, it would be Miro. I would have him wreck havoc until Punk comes back. I don't make Miro the champion because uh, whoever comes back is not beating Punk for the title. And you don't want to put Miro in a losing situation. Jonathan Boudreaux or Bordeaux. Jonathan Bordeaux with a $2 super chat. Give the AEW title to Miro, you cowards. No. Not giving the AEW title to Miro. Gary the New Man with a $20 super chat. Disappointed with a Punk injury. Right after winning the title, but excited to see what's next. Let's see who steps up. Possibilities are endless. Ton of names, man. It could legitimately be anybody. Moxley, Brian, Cole, Andrade, Miro, Darby. It could be anybody, man. Lance Archer. It could be anybody. It could be a New Japan guy. It could be a New Japan guy winning the Battle Royal, man. We could see anybody show up. It's Forbidden Door Build. It could be anybody. Ricochet with a 199 Super Chat. What is happening? Will they give Hook the strap? No. Why would Hook get the strap? I don't really understand why anybody would uh, give Hook the strap. No problem, JD. I'll be listening to your music on my phone. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. There's no music, but uh, it is what it is, man. We'll deal with it, and I'll get it sorted out at some point, man. I forgot about it completely when I set up today when I got here. Uh, I'm in Atlantic City right now in New Jersey by the Jersey Shore. I'm going to Atlantic City Beer Fest tomorrow afternoon at Bader Field in Atlantic City. Uh, I'm going to have a, a large posse with me. My boys are going to be with me. Um, so it, it's going to be a very uh, drunken afternoon. So it should be great. But uh, as soon as I figure out what's going on with this music, man, I'll figure it out. Uh, moving on with the Super Chats, man. We got uh, Bryce Dobson with a new membership. Bryce, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Thank you so much for becoming a VIP right here. On off the scripts. Trey Van Garrick with a 999 Super Chat. Blows that punk is set to miss Forbidden Door. If he's out four to six weeks, then an interim belt kind of makes sense. Lots of choices. Who gets Tanahashi? I personally hope it's Miro or Black. I could see Malachi Black winning the Battle Royal. That, that would be awesome. That would be fucking great, man. Miro, no. I'm not going with Miro to win the Battle Royal because then he's inevitably going to lose to Moxley and we don't want him to lose being that he just came back. Um, what are we going to do with the guitar emojis? Uh, I'll figure it out, RC. I'll figure it out, man. Uh, Matt 
with a one uh, one dollar super chat. Uh, give it to uh, Issa at the bar. I don't need it. Tip jar. Make sure you guys tip your bartender. Michael Partham with a five dollar super chat. A wrestling champion isn't going to be competing for a while. Don't see anything wrong with that. Sincerely, Roman Reigns. WWE backed themselves into a corner, man. They have no fucking clue on what they are doing, man. Uh, DSG Goodbar becomes a new member. Thank you so much, DSG. What the fuck are you drinking tonight, brother? Thank you for the super chat, man. Zetopia Productions with a 499 super chat. Thoughts on Brian becoming the interim champ? I don't mind it at all. He was the first name that came to my mind, man. Brian versus Moxley? I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be great. But uh, I don't think we're doing Brian for any world championship. I do think that we're inevitably going to get Brian versus Okada. That's the match that should be a forbidden. Now that Punk is not wrestling Tanahashi and Punk's not going to be on the card, I think this drastically changed the rest of the show. I really do. I think Punk now being off the show probably gives us a Okada versus Brian match at Forbidden Door. VC Stallion with a 499 Super Chat. MJF winning the title and holding the title hostage and threatening to take it to WWE. We must see television. MJF equals most deserving Mike over ring work. MJF is not winning the championship right now. He's taking the title from CM Punk, and that is what is going to be. Jack Lou with a new membership. Jack, thank you so much, brother. What are you drinking tonight, man? Loving the VIPs, man. We got new VIPs walking on in to the OTS venue, man. Hooligram with a $5 super chat. CM Punk named talent that just happened to be all ex-WWE guys. A broken foot that needs surgery takes a long time to heal correctly. Interesting. Could be four to six weeks, Hooligram. I'm not really thinking too much of it. Uh, I think it'll be uh, just fine for Punk to come back in less than two months. Marco. Marco with a 999 Super Chat. JD not commenting on the main event. But please tell me Punk's injury didn't come when he jumped into the crowd Wednesday. He got out limping after that. Uh, Marco, I'm not sure when the injury occurred, but I'm assuming that was what was the situation. Him jumping into the crowd. I don't think we'll be seeing Punk jump into the crowd anymore. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. JD, you are 5% wrong. I'd probably say even less than that, Joseph Taylor. Get your facts straight, man. Uh, Jack Liu with a $20 Super Chat. I was looking forward to Gunta and Ludwig Kaiser tonight. My son wants to see them. They had good momentum, but why SmackDown screwed us this week and we got to wait another week? We don't want to see Shanky dancing. I'm surprised, man. Jack, I'm surprised, bro. Your son's got some good fucking taste, man. Uh, Walter's a class act. Walter's a class act. Uh, Marcel Bartel is also a class act. Uh, I don't know why these men needed name changes, but... Uh, I do like what they are doing right now. They are not being overexposed. I think him beating Ricochet uh, is going to be awesome. I think that's going to be a great match. And your son, like I said, has got good taste. So good on him, man. Thank you for the $20 Super Chat. And thank you for becoming a new member in the OTS venue. Brother Love with a 199 times two. JD, did you miss me? Because I love you, says Brother Love. Somebody help me. The beaver keeps stealing my wood. Brother Love, listen. Go back to the drawing board and book us a right SmackDown that's worth our time, please. I don't need you in my chat. Tyler B. with a 999 Super Chat. Appreciate all you do for us, bro. Can I get a Braun Strowman roar again? No. Um, actually, for 999. 
I was going to say no because uh, it is getting late and I have no music and I feel very weird without the music playing in my headset right now, man. Uh, Tyler B., thank you so much, man. Joey Williams with a $5 Super Chat. I've given up hope that WWE is going to get better. I saw on cagematch.net where WWE has had more rematches in six months than AEW has had three years. In three years. Uh, I'm not surprised by that stat, Joey. I'm not surprised by that at all. I could probably count on one hand how many rematches we've seen in AEW. Ridiculous. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. JD, can I get a Braun Strowman? No, I just got it. I gave it to Tyler B. Uh, I apply it to you and your $2 Super Chat as well. Thank you, Joey. Uh, Joseph Taylor. Uh, Joey Williams with a $2 Super Chat. Rampage is more interesting in one hour than WWE is in five. Yes. WWE sucks. Brother Love, Dana's cooking is amazing. I love her, he says. Thank you with the $199, Brother Love. Danny Baker with a $10 Super Chat. Uh, laughing my ass off at your... <laughs> Uh, Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel Rodriguez. Smiling impression. Hilarious. Thank you, Danny Baker, with the $10 Super Chat. Colton McRae with a $4.99 Super Chat. I'd rather see a Riddick Moss versus Mojo Raleigh feud than Baron Borbin. I think Baron Corbin needs his future endeavors, man. Complete waste is Baron Corbin. AEW Mark with a $5 Super Chat. Just left AEW Rampage. They gave us four hours of wrestling tonight. What a night, my first AEW show, and they gave us two dark episodes. Huge card. I think Rampage should be live every fucking Friday, man. You could tell the difference easily what is going on with Rampage when it's taped and live, man. Huge fucking difference. Shakoy with a $2 super chat. At least AEW has a large roster to replace the injured. Yes. Yes. Issa, I miss Roman too. Roman should not be the double world champion if he's not going to be on pay-per-views and on the show. And we got Nate with a 199 Super Chat. It's been a while, but can you do the <laughs> Kane impression? There you go, man. There you go. Kane, Mayor Kane, Glenn Jacobs. Thank you, Nate, with the 199 Super Chat. Jesse, listen, bro, we're getting out of here, man. Um, I have uh, the weekend off, bro. The venue's not going to be uh, open till Sunday. I'm going to need you to stock the fucking shelves, bro. Seriously, I'm going to need you to stock the shelves. And uh, we got a big night Sunday night, man. Hell in a cell. Yeah, Cody Rhodes. Yeah. I'm going to need uh, I'm gonna need Cody. I'm going to need Seth. I'm going to need everything prepared, man. It's going to be a barn burner of a hell in a cell, man. I'm looking forward to this match, bro. It's going to be match of the year. It's going to be match of the year in WWE, okay? Don't give me no lip. Fucking asshole. Anyway, guys, uh, I'm about to get out of here, man. Listen, you know what? I'm just going to play... I'm gonna I'm gonna play what something I'm gonna play something heavy, cause I'm getting I'm getting out of here, man. Uh, listen, I appreciate you guys very much. I'm driving a fucking Mustang with no goddamn fucking music, man. All you hear is thunder and lightning. I'm getting out of here. I will see you guys on Sunday night because my fucking music is fucked up tonight. I'll see you guys on Sunday night where the music will actually work, and I'll see you guys on Sunday night for Hell in a Cell. Go check out all the content on the channel. Extra today. Go check that out. And. Uh, Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up if you guys have not hit the thumbs up. And like I said, I will be live after hell and a cell is over. We'll be in the OTS venue, rocking and rolling as always, right here on OTS. Guys, I will see you all later. Thank you for making us number one tonight, and I appreciate you all tonight inside the OTS venue. I'll see you guys later.